Damn, we're live. Brian, hi. I missed you. It's been a while. It's been a while. I know. Where, where is Brian? Why wasn't he on any of the game's coverage? Uh, I heard rumors that you got a really bad case of COVID. Is that true? And you were hospitalized and vented? No. Oh. I... Uh, during the games this year, I had the opportunity to work kind of on the internal production team for the broadcast, and I thought that it would be important for me to commit myself to that and not be distracted or put myself in any um, environments where I could potentially, you know, just be in risk of getting in trouble. I didn't want to have oh, like leak, like leak, it. like leak stuff. Yeah, like but, James uh, Sprague did, kinda. <laughs> I was on the show for that, unfortunately, but. Uh, but you know, it's, um, even, you know, obviously on those shows, there's a lot of speculating going on and, uh, you know, it's kind of weird to be in a, a group of people that are speculating about things that you already know about. Right. So, I, I, I totally agree. So, so what did you do over there? What did you do? You worked with, uh, the, that's, um, uh, Charlie and Joan Avella, Charlie, uh, Doobie class sure. act and Joan Avella class act, two of the classiest dudes I ever worked with. Yeah, and so it's Hamilton Rhodes and, and Mike Roth, who's the director there, and those guys. I worked with them at Wadapalooza. I worked with them at the MAC. I worked with them at Granite Games, and then I worked with them at the Games. I don't know what the technical role is. It's Some have called it a floor producer or a field producer, but um, in this particular instance, I had a, a mobile headset that had a direct line to the producer, uh, Tim Paps, who I also worked with at Granite Games, and Chad Schroeder. So the three of us were able to communicate and it's better than having for me to have a line to the producer than the director because the director has so many things going on. And the, the last thing he needs to do is hear from me. If there's something critical that we're talking about, it's Tim's job to communicate that to Mike. And then Mike will make the decision of how to react based on what people at home see. So my objective in doing this is hopefully to tell the stories of more athletes better via the broadcast. And I know that there's still a lot of want in that regard for, for changes with regards to the broadcast, but you know, there are also, there's all, you know, it's really easy to just say, give us wide shots all the time. And there's certainly some value in that perspective, but there are a lot of other things in play. And this year I've had a chance to learn about some of those from a different perspective than I've ever had before. Uh, if you want a bee friendly shirt uh, and it's got a cool uh, picture of Brian on the back, small one up on the by the neck. It's really cool, actually. You go to, you know, they surprised me with these shirts. Oh, they you didn't even know? No. <laughs> Are you gonna sue? Are you gonna sue? <laughs> no. no. But, uh, it was. Uh, I think that the I think that the logo on the back, the Vindicate guy made, and then he was working with Sherpa Works. They sent me a like a sneak peek of that mock-up but I, I didn't really think anything of it i just thought they were like playing around because that's what like shirts guys do or maybe it was a sticker i didn't know and then at the games i, I showed up i saw ken from uh, sherpa works and he just tossed me the shirt and i was like oh damn that's that's pretty cool uh ken so so is, is, it's a what sure but just go to sherpaworks.com and people can get that can people buy that shirt yeah it was kind of the thing that was kind of awkward about it is he gave one to lauren khalil she wore it on the morning chalk ups review show one night. So people saw it like a week ago, maybe more. And then there were a few that he brought on site with him that he had been given out to some people. We had a little get together at the RV camp one day and I gave some out to some 
people there. Uh, and then a lot of people were asking about him, but I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know they were being made, so I didn't know where they'd be available or when. But today, he finally did uh, make them available if you want to get one. Uh, Travis uh, Bellinghausen, if you're listening from uh, Vindicate, see this shirt right here? Can we change the B to a C? Could it be C dot Beaver? And we make a... Um, and then on the on the other side, can you can we see the other side of that shirt and see the little picture of uh, Brian? Do they show I don't it? No, if there's another, I don't oh, think there's a back. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, that, oh there it is. There it is on the sleeve right there. Nice. And 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 we have a picture of uh, of Caleb, C Beaver, and then a and then like a picture of Caleb. That would be awesome. You like that, huh, Susa? Susa's dying. Gonna put a, I thought you're gonna have a a different picture. And listen, listen with the uh, <laughs> and 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 make Caleb's eyes really big, and then in the pupils maybe a, a picture of a sea urchin or something or a sea anemone. Um, uh, and and all that money we make from selling the t-shirts will go directly to purchasing Caleb a new computer. God, I love this idea. I did use the manscaping. I, I did use the manscaping clippers. They've never been used on my balls or my cockins, but I did use it on my face. On the second shortest setting. How do you feel? Good. I My mom called and said, hey, you should say, shave that shit. And then I asked my wife, hey, should I shave it? And she goes, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And then as she walked away, she goes, it's weird kissing you. And I just fuck. I literally, I was I was at the counter, I think, eating like a bowl of meat and beans. And I just walked up and I went straight to the bathroom. And I just fucking shaved it off. That was like, all you needed on. to hear. Yeah. I think I was just looking for like. Those clippers are easy to use? Dude. I, I only have the 3.0 and they have a 4.0. They're the best clippers ever. I mean, I've never tried to go shorter than this with them, but like, they're so nice. They're so nice. I don't know why, but they're so nice. And I have a 20, those are expensive. I have a $20. Send me, the, send me the link. I might, I want to try them out. Okay. I'll send you a picture. I heard though, that if you do use them on your balls, they chop your balls up. Oh, I'm not, I'm not planning to use them on my balls. <laughs> All right. So, so. I used clippers once on my balls that weren't for my balls. And within like a half a second, it gave me like 20 small paper cuts on my testicles. It was horrible. For, for, oh, look at, look at Paul Desmond, four point Paul, you do though. You do, do you, do you nick your nuts? Do you nick the golf balls, the avocados, avocados? Um, I saw today that Dave Castro went over. Sorry guys, we're lagging, getting started, but I saw today um, that Dave Castro and Don, Fall, F right? Yes, this. Uh, this is on the Dave Castro Instagram. A fun afternoon session with fifteen affiliates from the Bay Area. I didn't even know there were fifteen affiliates left. Have you sent? Uh, have you sent Dan a shirt? No. Huh. That's a great idea. I, we did invite him on the podcast. Send him a shirt to the notes. Say congratulations. Join the club. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Okay, I like that. Uh, fun afternoon um, session with fifteen affiliates from the Bay Area and the new and new. CrossFit CEO, Don Fall, Fall, Fall. Uh, thanks for hosting CrossFit Palo Alto, the discussion. Thanks for the discussion, guys. MVP of the session of the session was Neil Maddox. Um, oh, and you can kind of see him just to the left. It looks like that's him. Just to the left of Don. Right. I came there. across Neil Maddox's name today as doing some prep for this show, actually. Oh, like for some sort of skills or some sort of record he set for the games? Uh, he's got four event wins in his career, and uh, Adler now has four, and Guy now has five, so he was just on the list near them. Wow. I don't think 
that that's interesting. Uh, who who's a better CrossFitter, a uh, games athlete uh, all time? If if you were to put Neil Maddox at his prime, Adler and Gee in a in a in a in a competition, who'd win? At this point, I I think uh, Adler would probably have to take it, even though he went. You know, his one of his better finishes was in the twenty twenty year. He does have two top five finishes. Neither of the other guys have any. Gotcha. Um, and then if you go over, will you click on the CrossFit Affiliates Instagram? This is perplexing to me. So we have the new guy with Dave talking to affiliates. But if you go over to the Affiliates Instagram and you click on it, they haven't posted in four days. They must be taking some time off after all that hard work at the games. Um, and, and, it's, and it's just junk they're selling. Anyway, Brian likes to keep his head above the fray. So I will leave it at that. And I will revisit this at another time. Um, let's see, but I, but I, but I am curious, uh, that, that was a surprise to me to see that it is good to see that the CEO is out and about, um, kicking ass already taking names. He's in good company. Is that different than we usually see from the CEO in the first, uh, few days to weeks in the job? Uh, shit i don't know i i I know greg was always out and about talking to the um affiliates i do think that it was premature when rosa did it i don't i think rosa was destined to fail because he just didn't know what crossfit was and he went out and exposed when you go how many ceos have there been in the last like 15 months four five there was there was well i don't know about in the 15 months but in the last two years there was great there was uh that other guy the, the garbage guy then there was greg then there was dave then there was Rosa, then there was none. Then there was the, there was, there was some dude that like was the president who like, I think doesn't work there anymore, but they won't tell us that he doesn't work there anymore. Uh, for fuck, I forget that guy's name. I met him in. And then and there was the interim and now there's this. And then there was that girl, Allison, the CFO. Yeah. And then now there's uh, Don. So hopefully he sticks around for a while. I think some consistency could be a good thing. Yeah. Steep learning curve. He needs to surround, immerse himself uh, with Dave and Nicole. Steep, steep learning curve. Uh, and, uh, boy. Anyway, uh, I'm avoiding. I was going to show you the new, what uh, the the new uh, CDC, uh, the COVID guidelines by the CDC. But let's 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 dig into the CrossFit Games instead. Um, before we start, I, I just want to ask you some big picture questions before we start. Um, you did a you've done power rankings. We did predictions. You're uh, the, uh, arguably um, no better student of the game of uh, athletes capacity. And um, d- did. Are you shocked by the workouts this year? Am I, there's a left turn. I was expecting you to ask me about the athletes. Uh, am I shocked by the workouts? Because here's what here's why. Obviously, you see where I'm going. It's a loaded question. You had this pool of athletes. And you talked about how they were going to do, and somewhere in there, there had to be some presuppositions that we all have of what the games are, what the challenges are going to be for these athletes. So, like, if it was a knitting contest, we'd have no fucking idea who was going to win. But we do; we have 15 years of of games to right. kn- that you knew, you thought you knew what they were kind of going to be doing to to, to some extent, a, a pretty good extent. I would say, just you did catch me off guard with this question. There were a couple workouts that surprised me. For the most part, and when I look at the total test, it's not that surprising. Okay, and now, and what workouts surprised you the most? 
I would say the the biggest surprise to me was the skills medley. Now it wasn't surprising that they had some kind of skills test. I thought that they would have some kind of skills. Is that test. The, that's the pegboard crossover? That's one with all the three new, three or four new things. The unbroken more than shit that. And, yeah. So, and I think that Jr. and Taylor mostly nailed this the analysis of this one last night, which is it's okay to have new elements. You should have new elements at the games. It's weird to have a workout that has so many new elements and not give the entire field a chance to to test themselves or prove that they have those skills. It could, oh yeah, it could, um, I think they even mentioned it. It could, you know, lead to future iterations of seeing some of these skills in an, in an environment where everyone's tested by them. But I think that for the most part, if you're going to have a new implement, uh, that it should be available for the entire field to test. So you're mad at Adrian? <laughs> Does, do I sound mad? No, you don't sound mad at all. But 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 it is. It's some constructive criticism. I tried to. I brought that up with him, and he said absolute. I said I I would have liked to have seen them have two weeks, and he looked at me like I was out of my fucking mind when he was on the show. And and I and I felt him. I thought he had a good a- answer. We have to test their ability to adapt, also, and that was one of those things. A new yeah, skill. definitely, definitely. But, you know, um, if you're going to put something in that you want them to adapt to, give all 40 of them a chance to adapt to it. Don't, you know, like, you know, the obvious, the obvious things, I think, first of all, that it was, too, it was really unfortunate that the um, L-Sit press to Hansen was buried so deep in that workout that we hardly got to see anyone do it. None, none of the women got there. Three of the guys got there. Two of the guys were able to None do of it. the women I don't think any of them were able to finish the 25 crossover double under. So we didn't even get to see them attempt it. Right. And I think that that's something that went well, no. on. That's annoying. That dog over there. Um, I think that's something that most of the community would have appreciated getting to see. Cause I think that a lot of the athletes would have been able to do that. And if, and you, you might've even seen some people kind of getting it for their first time on the competition floor, potentially right. it would have been an exciting moment and a fun moment. And a good and a, and a good test for the athletes to say like okay well I haven't really mastered this or I don't know if I have is this something that I'm able to do uh, when the, when it matters the most and we saw that in other regards you know notably with the sandbag where in the back not a lot of people were having very much success Ricky was struggling with the 260 only two of the guys even managed to do the 300 but you put them on the competition floor and it's a totally different ball game I think we might have seen something similar with the press to handstand and that that was a missed opportunity to showcase that movement as a new and potentially unexpected movement for some of the athletes. Uh, whereas now if we test it next year in that regard, they've had a full year to test and therefore, you know, to test and practice that. And therefore that thing that Adrian was seeking, which is their ability to adapt to something new under pressure is lost with a lot of, with the four or five different movements, pirouette, press to handstand, legless pegboard, sync, or, you know, um, unbroken, sets of jump rope, unbroken pistols, like all of those things. I don't know if it was necessary to reveal them all in one workout that not everyone got to do. Um, if you don't mind me asking, um, how, how did you know that Ricky was struggling in the back with a 260? He told me. Most of the athletes talked about that. Um, actually, one of my friends who works uh, for Cross Media came to me and uh, before the men even took the floor, he goes, dude, the competition just happened in the back and there was only two guys that were even able to get the 300 back. And I saw Ricky and Kotler and Ben Gerard after the event. And Ricky's like, I'm like, damn, dude, that was impressive. He goes, yeah, man, I could barely get the 260 back here warming up. Wow. Um, I'd never seen so many. Um, I Basically, every athlete after they lifted did that shit that people do like after they've been in a car accident. Like this shit. 
and like this. And they were like, you know what I mean? They were doing shit and they were getting in some fucking contorted positions. I mean, if, if you think about it, like Justin Medeiros had his head like this with 300 fucking 40 pounds pushing on his fucking head and straining his neck. It doesn't look like shit to us at home, but dude, I had a really good, it would kill an average person. Go ahead. I had a really good vantage point for this workout. And, um, I would just will say that the last 20 or 30 minutes of the men's sandbag ladder is the most fun that I've ever had at any individual CrossFit event anywhere. And you know, I've been to a lot of competitions around the world. It was such an awesome environment. I think every fan and every athlete abandoned all sense of who was lifting. Everyone just wanted everyone to be successful with the lift. And it like was, it was uh, us against the bags. Yeah. And it was great. And this is exactly what I think Adrian's talking about is give them something that they haven't done. You tell me you've been doing CrossFit and, and been to boxes all over the world for 15 years. Have you ever seen a sandbag over 200 pounds? Maybe at one, maybe at 250 once somewhere. Well, the, the starting weight for men was bigger than that. Right. But right. Now stones is one thing. And I talked to Nick Fowler about it, but sandbags like that, and you just had to figure it out. And it was amazing. The two athletes that impressed me the most were Jacqueline Dahlstrom and Justin Medeiros. And not that either of them ended up winning. How about Emma McQuaid was pretty impressive too, right? The athletes as a whole were incredibly impressive. The thing that I really respected about Justin was that his movement pattern from first bag to last bag was identical. The hardest part of the lift for him was the deadlift, especially as the bag got heavy. But he got it into his lap. He positioned his hands a certain way. He took clear and obvious and big breath in. And in one effort, he got it up and did the rotation technique that the strong men who demoed it for them Jerry Pritchett, I think, uh, explained. And then, uh, you know, Jacqueline Dahlstrom, I mean, Jacqueline Dahlstrom is a bodyweight specialist. She should be dominating on ring muscle-ups and handstand push-ups and handstand walking. And uh, the fact that she beat Amanda Barnhart and Laura Horvath and Tia Toomey and and all these women in this workout, and the only person that beat her is is Danny Spiegel, who was absolutely incredible in that. Savage. and the way she did it was unique. You know, she she got it up there. She inched it up in this way that really no other athlete was able to do. I'm sure the strongman would have, would have kind of said, like, that's not a very efficient technique, but it worked for her. Cole tried it. Cole Sager Ward oh my God, using that dude. technique. I know you guys talked about it last night, but that uh, was insane to watch uh, in person. I, th- I thought the same as you guys. He was going to black out for sure. I mean, 310 pounds just sitting on his chest for 30 to 40 seconds. Uh the Fergie show asks, um, is Brian moving to Northern uh, New York with the Khaleesi? No. Uh, the question is, is the Khaleesi moving to the Sevon podcast like Brian? I think he, he had his, he's probably been drinking. He had his question all screwed up. Um, when, when you mentioned that the women, no woman did the press to handstand, there were a couple of, there were a couple of events that I thought, um, you know that that opening event with the laps being shorted and and it, it, it was it was a disaster but it was fun it kind of it, it uh from from our place where we sat doing this show and doing the commentating it really charged us up right like it was fun that there was a colossal fuck up but it moved so qu- it was still a great event it moved so quickly to another event and that's another thing right there that is a colossal fuck up in my mind that none of the women got to uh, the the L sit or the low position to to even try it. That is a fucking problem. But that's how good the events were. That it was I call it the Donald Trump effect. Like you just he has just one fuck up right after the, another. So you know you just keep forgetting that he did this and he did this and you just keep moving. It just kept moving forward. Um, and and I and I now that I think about it, that was 
Uh, Chase Ingram even said, were you standing next to Chase and Sean when Chase dropped that line? Oh, Adrian, a giant bead of sweat just rolled down Adrian's head and he can breathe a sigh of release as Nick Matthews um, completed the uh, press to handstand. No, I never stood next to them the whole weekend. I, uh, I oh was, really? Where you weren't? I I picture you standing in a room, the three of you. Uh, like, I have, I've that dude that. only has one arm. That dude's mom just died. That dude has the most games wins with throwing a ball. That's what I pictured you doing. I have done that uh, in the past at the Granite Games. I was right next to Chase, um, and at the Mac for uh, one of the days, I did. I was right next to Sean, but. Uh, I was t- I would text them things occasionally. Just the vantage point is different. So that for the North Park events, they weren't out at North Park. They were in a broadcast trailer calling it from there. So they could, you know, they they have a limited point of view from there and I have a more, you know, so I can get a different perspective than them. And in the Coliseum, they're up in like the mezzanine like the second uh, the, between the first and second tier looking down from a horizontal view and so I just go down on the floor to a a different angle where I can see a little bit, you know, the perspective of the floor differently than they can. And so I, you know, kind of a divide and conquer type things we can see from more perspectives. And I oh, tried shit. to, they're I not, is that the first year they haven't been out on North park? I th- I believe so. Yeah. And actually Sean was saying that that was so- somewhat of a relief. That's a pretty, it's a pretty tough environment calling it from North park up where they were before. It was often very hot, very crowded. There was a lot of things like a lot of commotion and stuff going on that could be distracting. So he didn't mind that change. Um, yeah. I don't even uh, Ryan Menard. I don't even do CrossFit, and I love this shit podcast. Now that's a, you could read that a couple ways. You could. I'm gonna just <laughs> you did not read it the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh yes, Sevon Spiegel, 2024. So I would. I would. I'll say since you brought it up, I'll say the the bike to work event was that was that was unfortunate. That men's the the final lap of the men's race would have been extremely fun and compelling. I'm 100% sure that Yonikoski would have won the, that event if um, if Lazar and Spencer hadn't missed the lap. The reason that I know this is because— Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the first I heard that. Wait, why? what the fuck did they have to do with that? Because he was. those were the athletes he was citing. So they were, the only, they were within 20 seconds of him, and there was another 25 seconds to Ricky and Justin in that group with, with three laps to go. On lap four, Yona could cite them. Because he could see them because they were within 20 seconds. He could not see 45 seconds behind them on the track. And the way that the track was, at certain, once you made a turn, there was a period of time where you couldn't see anything unless someone else made the turn. And then once you went up the hill, you couldn't see anything until someone else crested the hill. And so even coming into the stadium, and if you and the thing that uh, it took us like hours to break down the broadcast, to run back the cameras, and to try to find where the hell Ricky and Justin came from. But the entire lap, Yona is the he's he's he and Ricky are the best cyclists in that field by far. And you know you know you saw how they were working together early and teaching Justin and Lazar how to how to trade off the lead and draft. Yona knows how to sight on a bike as good as anyone. But the entire lap, he never saw Lazar and Spencer because they didn't do the lap, and he couldn't see Ricky and Justin because they were too far behind. And so by the time he came over the last hill and came and he was going around the last fence into the stadium and looked, Ricky still had not come over the hill like 200 yards behind him. So Yona had no sense of urgency. And Ricky saw him and he just, you know, guns a blazing, went balls for the wall, risked it coming down the hill. He had the shorter lane. And, you know, so it was a huge advantage for Ricky that Lazar and Spencer missed that last lap. It cost Yona three points in an event win and $1,000 for sure. It cost Lazar at least 15 points, which I thought might have been pretty significant for him come the end of the week. 
But I'll tell you this about Lazar Jukic. For everything or whatever else you think about him, his mental fortitude to bounce back from stuff like that was insanely good. After that event and the Capitol, he never wavered. He was so positive, he put it behind him immediately. I told him two days later, I'm like, dude, I still haven't gotten over the fact that that cost you 15 points, and you got over it instantly and just went out the competition. He's like, that's Susan, can we do. see the leaderboard real quick? I want to see what 15 points is. Um, it wouldn't have, if those 15 points alone wouldn't have had an effect, he still would have finished eighth. Uh, okay. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian, have you talked to Yanakoski or yeah, I talked to him Ricky about this? I, was, I talked to Yana immediately after the event while he was still on the field. I'm like, where did those guys come from? He goes, I have no idea, but on the last lap, I, I couldn't see anyone. I was going slow. I, I mean, I definitely could have gone faster and won that event easily. So he, he took wow. the onus on him. But, the, but I'm telling you, I'm, a, I'm certain of it. If he, Lazar and Spencer had done the last lap, Yona would have won the workout. No question. No questions asked at all. The question is, would Ricky and Justin Medeiros have caught Lazar and Spencer? I think yes, and I think that would have been a really fun four-person race for those next four spots. The other thing is that let, let, go back to the leaderboard one more time. Let me see one more thing, and and then and then that would have been uh, less points for Ricky, also. Uh, three less points. Okay, okay, he's still safe. Well, may, maybe up to up to twelve less points if he would have finished. But I think he would have finished second or third, okay. fourth at worst. It wouldn't have affected. Uh, obviously, Sam Quant was almost hundred points behind him. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was uh, the other. The other thing is when they came into the stadium, Spencer didn't hesitate. Whether he knew he was wrong or not, he just ran across. Lazar had that like hesitation, which cost him additional time. So he like double punished him. Oh there. yeah, 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 yeah. He fucked. He got Spencer fucked. Ended up finishing yes. fifth in that workout, and Lazar finished tenth, which is kind of laughable. Like obviously they would have been within one one or two spots of each other otherwise. So it was just the really the word I was used to describe that it was really unfortunate. And the thing that I think was most unfortunate about it is. There was nothing else going on. It was the first event of the weekend for any division. You have so many judges and scoring team there. You should have just had someone go out with every athlete. There are workouts where there's 40 people and there's 80 judges. Then there's two assigned to you, one in the stadium, one out of the stadium. Right. You just have someone out there that's specifically responsible for every athlete and does a little counter. And as they go by, they say, one. Two, Brian, three, I've heard two stories, four. though. Final. I've heard that they were um, – I heard that they were – Lazar was told to go in. We didn't then, find any evidence of that when we looked at the footage going but back. But Adrian said that the judge actually told him to get both of them to get out. We did see that. Okay. Okay. But I don't know where the, so there's a, there's a guy with an orange flag. The right. orange flag guy was not waving them into the stadium from the camera. We went back in the truck and looked at the cameras over and over and over. We didn't see any orange flag people waving them in. Once they went into the stadium, there were definitely people telling him to go back out. Yeah. There were. Okay. Hey, um, do, do you know what's crazy, too? If he would have gone out, he may have fished, finished even worse. Maybe. The, the thing is that they decided to, to penalize him by adding their slowest lap time. And their slowest lap time included probably when they had to get off the pull-up bar, run their bike outside, and then get momentum to start going up and around the course. So, I don't know. It, it, I think there, I wasn't upset. I mean, I know that some people think that they should have uh, penalized him indefinitely. In, in Taylor was, you know, saying they should have got a zero or something like that. I think that it ended up working out okay. Um, you know, and the girls, there were some mistakes on the girls. It was just not with the leaders, so it was less obvious. I knew instantly that Danielle Brandon had not done uh, enough laps because there's, it's impossible to make up that much time on one of those laps. She was like That's in 20-something place, and all of a sudden she's in seventh. That's funny. I forgot about her. 
the ones I didn't know about, because there's, you know, as, as the event goes on, it gets, it's impossible to keep track of the 40 athletes and all those laps and whatever was, was, uh, Elena Karatala and Sung Young Choi doing an extra one. I didn't know about Oh, that. they both did. Elena did three laps instead of five and Sung Young Choi did six instead of five. Oh shit. Someone did three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. She ended up last place on the workout anyway. So, uh, this, this show's off to a funky start. So I'm just going to keep being funky. Can you pull up the leaderboard again? And can we look at where Spencer and Saxon, um, or actually maybe we should just go straight to the document that, um, Brian made, uh, Spencer Panchik finished in 17th place. And I think, no, I had him in 17th. I ranked him in 17th. He finished in 20th. Okay. Okay. Yes. He finished in 20th. And where did Saxon finish? Saxon on the left there. I had him in sixth. He finished 11th. Okay. So, okay. Because Spencer was ahead of Saxon for quite a bit of uh, the CrossFit games, wasn't he? Mm, No, maybe, maybe early on, but it didn't last that long. Saxon made a little run in the middle of the, event he had some good event finishes um saxon had a really up and down games relative to what he usually has chris hassel yeah because none of these shows are funky <laughs> more funky please all right i'm trying i'm trying to clean up. i'm trying to be professional uh so what you guys are looking at here is this is the ranking that brian gave um prior um, to the games, his predictions for the men. And you see he predicted Justin Medeiros to be in first place, and he took first. He took Patrick Bellner to be – predicted him to be in second place. He took sixth. And you can see there's that consistency. It goes down like that. And then down below there's a um, – what are those things called down below? A legend. Uh, and the legend is uh, helps you understand the the color codes. Um, uh, and – when you when you say you value them appropriately, that you gave yourself some wriggle, wiggle room, like th- three places or something up and down. Yeah, I mean, in some cases, like maybe, like maybe I maybe I could have been more critical and said I placed Adler ninth and he finished fifth, so I undervalued him. You could say that. Um, I think you know Lazar Lazar Jukic. Oh no, seventh and eighth. Okay, yeah, that's correct. Spencer seventeenth and twentieth. Okay. So I took, you know, there's a little bit of liberty there, but the ones that are like that were obviously off are in red if they were if they did worse than I thought. And the ones that in green did a lot, did like significantly better than I had thought. Um, uh, before we dig in here, uh, have have you heard anything about the rumors of, of Haley Adams going to HWPO and Tudor Magda going to Brute? I heard, I, heard I mean, I mean, I know night. you've heard them, but have you have, can you can you verify those at all? No. Oh, this is the document that Trump got rated for? This one up here? Oh, shit. Brian had it the whole time. You can't verify those or you won't verify those? Cannot. You cannot because you (laughs) don't want to? I don't know anything more than you guys talked about last night. Okay, fine. I find that hard to believe. Uh, Let's look at, let's look at, um, let's just dig in here. Have you spoke to Patrick Vellner? Yeah. Um, and, and what what would you say? We got to get him on the show. I'm dying to know what his sentiment is. No, Sousa, don't schedule any games, athletes. I didn't mean it. He's uh, he's putting um, 
you know, recaps of every event on Instagram and you can get a, a good feel for that. He's generally very open about that stuff. Of course, you can invite him on and talk about it. I know he's been having a little bit of a knee issue most of the year. I don't think that he uh, used that as a, an excuse or anything. But, um, you know, that, like I said uh, before we started the games, like there were people in this field that could be fitter than they were last year or just as fit as they were last year that do that have worse finishes this year because the men's field is so good. I spoke to BKG right after the last event, and he's like, man, this is my worst finish since uh, 2014. And I said, I know, and you look really fucking fit. And he's like, I am. And I said, yeah, but look at the top 10. This is as good a top 10 as the men's field ever have, has had. It's not embarrassing to finish ninth against this field. That's just how good they are. But that's not his mentality. BKG said, I have to raise my level for next year. So that's like now he sees the field has gotten better, and he needs to get better. Uh and, and the new and the new guy took a spot. Two new guys. Uh, two new guys. Yeah, two new guys took two new spots. Pushed everyone down. Yeah, I mean, look. Uh, well, it kind of, Rick, by the way, we're talking about Ricky and Roman. Yeah, Roman and there's Ricky. Roman and there's Ricky. There's also Sam Quant, who wasn't in the equation last year, right, but he was right. in the top five the year before. This right. validates that performance a little bit. So that's kind of a third new guy. There's also Jason Hopper, who's it looked completely different than the Jason Hopper we saw last year. So in an essence, that's kind of a fourth new contender. And outside of that, you still have Justin. You still have Pat. You know, Adler was flirting with the top 10 last year. He obviously has made some improvements. Lazar was in the top 10. BK was in the top 10. Guy was in the top 10. So it's not like that it's not that shocking of a list but this is what i was saying beforehand like only 10 guys can be in the top 10 and therefore with these new guys pushing in there you have guys like saxon noah olson and brent fikowski that were in the top 10 last year that that couldn't make it this year because there's more guys that are really good at the top of the men's field i mean fikowski took 16th I couldn't have talked you into that in a million fucking years. Well, before we go to him, though, before for Ka- for oh, hold on, breakdown we can get to. Okay, hold on. So, so is Velner is Velner putting any of is Velner doing any finger pointing at? I think that the general at sentiment. the programming, like uh, like Christy Christy Aramo is 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 definitely like those I don't guys. Think, I don't think Christy is complaining about the programming in general. She's just pointing out that that the decision to not have the legless rope climbs in that workout definitely had an impact on how some of the women did on that workout, which is true, but they had to make a tough decision and they ended up prioritizing safety over the test in that regard. Uh, wasn't it more, wasn't it, maybe I'm, maybe I misread it, but I, I feel like there was a bigger picture piece. My, the, uh, I'm, I'm um, uh, paraphrasing the way I read what she wrote was, Hey, this isn't what, we the, this we've been training for the CrossFit Games for the last fifteen years, and we we pretty much know what we're training for. And this year, we didn't know what we were training for. Like, that's not. I would say that that's a that that's, that's not that, accurate. That sentiment is not founded in fact. Okay. So here's here's. Oh, the, what do you mean that's not founded in fact? That that I'm reading into what she said. No, or, what she's saying. If that is what she's saying, or if that's what any athletes are saying. So I, you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to wait a few days to do this show. One was so that I could have a conversation with. Adrian Bosman and two was so that I could actually process what I just saw happen without making assumptions based on what I think I saw happen. So one of the, I would say that probably the reason why people feel that this test was different or skewed is 
two twofold. One, there were a lot of new things, more new things than we're used to seeing. Taylor identified those last night. Secondly, the distribution of where the new things were and where the gymnastics slash skill components fell was skewed. So a majority of the gymnastics. What What's that last thing mean? Where they fell was skewed. Oh, you mean like all in one workout? So I, when, last night, Taylor identified 14 or 15 gymnastics elements that were in yeah. this competition. I only counted 11 because I didn't count some of the duplicates that he counted. But either way, 80% of them showed up in the first half of the work of the workouts or the first seven scored tests. Because there were okay. thir There's 13 okay. tests, but there's 1,400 points because 2A and 2B counted as 200 each. Okay. So after Friday, you're basically just look like, what the hell? This is a skills and gymnastics test. But right. if you just had flipped those the seven workouts that were last to first, you would have felt totally different. And you would have been Haley Adams saying, this is fucking bullshit. Every workout is heavy and beating me down and I have no chance to show off my skills, which is why I didn't want to come on the shows because I had this whole picture the whole week. And so, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't feel the need to make any assumptions about what the test was after five workouts because I knew there were going to be 14 scored events and that over the course of those 14 scored events, the balance that we're used to seeing in terms of what are the limiters or what are the things that are being tested or where are the athletes trying to be exposed uh, would play themselves out and be balanced over the course of the entire test. Uh, Will Brandstetter, she posted a whole video and said she loved the programming as a whole. Okay, I apologize for misrepresenting. Thank you, Will. Which makes sense. Christy is extremely, obviously extremely fit, and she's also extremely mature as an athlete, I would say. Uh, uh, programming doesn't matter if it all balances out at the end and it did okay uh i don't think i think that there were a lot of there was a lot of new stuff introduced a lot, a lot of new stuff. And I think in the beginning of the show that even that you were even saying that maybe the crossover, not maybe that the, that the, that the, that the, the skills medley, some of those things, maybe we should have uh, at least given them a warning so that they could have had a better no. chance at no, it's not what you're saying. No, I'm saying that we either should have, which I think Taylor suggested this last night, had one new thing, maybe two new things tested where all of the athletes had a chance to do the test, to do the new thing. Instead, in the first round, you could be eliminated if you were Spencer Panchik or Tia Claire Toomey by missing one single under, which they both did when they were very close to finishing that set, and that was enough to keep them out of the next round, and therefore they didn't get a chance to do a legless pegboard or a pirouette. And only five people had the opportunity to do the crossover double-unders and of those 10 people, only three ended up trying to press the handstand. So I would like to see, um, I love the skill. I love the, the fact of having a skills test, uh, but I would have liked to see a format where more of the athletes got to do the new stuff or try the new stuff. Okay. Fair. I'll throw away my notes from yesterday. I was about to dig in. Okay, uh, Patrick Vellner. So, so have you heard any athletes complain about the um, about about the 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 test? Uh, like I said, most of the athletes feel like it was a lot of new stuff, and um, some feel like it was too much new. Uh, but I think that if anyone can 
once you take a couple of days away and if you actually take the time to sit and look at this at what the test was there were there were actually elements of this programming that i think are are worth highlighting instead of criticizing okay fair let me let me throw let me throw one more piece out there so Justin Medeiros takes first and Patrick Vellner takes sixth and you can at first you can be like bent out of shape and then you can be like well it was Roman Ricky uh Samuel uh Quant and Jeff Adler and Jeff Adler who pushed him out fair okay I can get my head wrapped around that I really can I really can but but Fakowski is down at fucking 16th so Fakowski here's a fun stat last year on the echo bike workout mm-hmm. he took first and got 100 points this year on the echo bike work- workout he took 35th and got 12 points those 88 points, the net difference of 88 points alone, move him from 16th to 12th. Obviously, he's one of the best in the echo bike, he, and the snatch was not something that slowed him down. But because the echo bike was paired with that strict upper body pressing movement that did slow him down, he lost a lot of points there. So he didn't get to flex himself on the echo bike the way that we've seen him in the past. This year, they had a bike workout that was outdoors instead of a kayak as a, as a, as a supplementary monostructural element he took 35th on that biking event as opposed to eighth on the kayak event so Mm. he gave up another 63 points there Mm. last year in the format the yoke was tested uh he managed to get 50 points on that workout this year only 16 and in the sprinting workout that he had last year he managed to get 67 this year only 26 he got Uh, 16 points on this year's yoke workout yeah so some of the things that he's done well with, which is the yoke in the past, people will remember that he won Strongman's Fear. He had a decent performance on it last year, middle of the pack at least. He was in the bottom six this year. So some of the elements that he's traditionally shined with were paired with other things that were struggles for him. And that's more or less what happened to Jason Hopper last year, by the way. Uh, and as a result, it cost him 216 points that he got on on workouts with those implements last year compared to not getting this year. And if he had gotten 260 more points, he would have finished fifth. Um, uh, over, uh, that comment, by the way, thank you for the 1999 crazy generous. Um, it's funny. I, I recognize people's pictures and, and kind of like, and their demeanor. This guy's always a little uh, aggressive. As you could tell by his giant biceps overall feet, uh, f- uh, overall, uh, overall balance. I loved it, but crossover dubs could have been skateboard flips, not fitness. Um, is what's the biggest drop we've ever seen, um, in an athlete, uh, from year to year. That's not like, you know, they get pulled out for an injury. Do you know? Uh, no, I don't know. And it's, and it is, I know Josh Bridges had a pretty big fall one year, but I think he was sick. Yeah, and he might it might have not even been year to year. It might have been like he he missed a year and then he came back and he was never able to get back to the top. I I feel like that might have been the case for him. But I mean, what did Fakowski get last year at the games? Third, and in sixteenth. I mean, that's that's um, yeah. What did Ben Smith get the year after he won the games? After he won, I think second. Okay, he went back on the podium. 2015 first, 2016 second, 2017 seventh. Michael, nice OG shirt. Thanks for the money. That's real money. Thanks, dude. Michael Banyan. I mean, are, are you shocked at all? 
Look at you. You have it red. Men, I overrated. <laughs> Are you freaking out about Fatowski? Is he done? Do you think he, he's done? Bye bye. No. So one of the you know one of the things uh, that about the programming this year, and, and I, again, I think the guys did a great job last night is is highlighting is that they were forced into certain circumstances in the workouts that took away Fakowski's best attribute, which is pacing. So there were a few workouts where you could certainly pace it and it could pay off. But in many of the workouts that he would, like I just talked about, in many of the workouts that featured the implements that he's best at pacing, they were coupled with stuff, things that were slowing him down. So it was a muscular fatigue preventing him from his from a pacing being executed. And in other workouts, like... Um, for example, the wall ball dumbbell and dumbbell snatch, which he should be very good at, you know, it was for it was because there was so much rest and so few rounds, you were forced into a breakneck speed, so there was no pacing. Uh, so some of the best advantages that he traditionally has at the games were negated by the style and format of which Adrian crafted some of the tests. So and I think that's good. You know, I think that that's okay. And I think that I was talking to Taylor and JR, JR earlier today, actually. And, and I think that it's important for people to understand that just because this was the nature of Adrian's test this year, doesn't mean that the test is going to look identical next year. Taylor had, an, you know, he was upset that there was only one monostructural weightlifting gymnastics test. They don't need, and he said, I would like to see three. Well, they don't always need to be three. There could be five next year and there could be three the year after that. And this, the variance of how you, craft and and move around some of those things uh is important and that's what's um you know so what, when you're saying like oh we've been preparing this for 15 for this test for 15 years and this was a totally different test i don't think that's the case at all first of all but second of all i also think that the test should be different year to year and like adrian mentioned prior to this test he knows where the athletes are weak he knows where they've been neglecting things and now that he's exposed some of those things for some of the athletes they're all going to practice those things so I'm confident that we'll see some elements of this test next year, and there's other elements that we won't see again for a while. Uh, I'm going to say something really stupid, but it's really true. If if Justin would have taken sixth and Tia would have taken sixth, this would be fucked up. They're the, they're the anchors. Their two first places are the anchors that legitimize – this this year i think i know that's harsh to say i i think it's you know i think it goes uh beyond that um, I, I, rem I remember someone saying i remember someone uh saying could you could you program and i, I think it was like i don't know 2014 15 could you program a games oh, um oh could you program an athlete out of the games and some athletes, I think, um, would say, I think like you would ask Chris Spieler that and he would say yes. And you would ask Rich Froning that and he would say no. You cannot program me out of the games. I still win. And so my point is, is that you couldn't. Let's it, check something here. Ready? Okay. You, Justin and Tia weren't programmed out of the games, but you were starting to hint, at least the way I'm in my, I'm hearing it in my bias view, that Fakowski was programmed out of the games this year. Or maybe for, he was just some of some of you know he was exposed. Some of the the thing about Fakowski is we know he's not BKG. BKG is so consistent and steady across the board that pretty much any test he would end up in the, in the top ten. I would say any test, barring an injury, he would end up in the top ten. But there are other athletes that that have these little like they're, the way the way that they're good or the reason that they're good can't you can program them out of those strengths. And in this case, in several instances, Fikowski was because he's not as well-rounded as BKG. 
he's much better than him at certain things. He's worse than him at other things. And in this right. case, the things he was best at were negated because they were coupled with some of the things he's worst at. But look, let's just look at the men from 2017, 2018. Okay. Fraser, he's in both top tens. Fakowski's in both top tens. Belner's in both top tens. BKG and Noah Olsen are in both top tens. This is 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also in 2017, you had Scott Panchik. He didn't make the top 10 the next year. Ben Smith, not top 10 next year. Alex Anderson, not top 10 next year. Yonikoski, not top 10. Jason Smith, not top 10. So there was a turnover of five. Five of the top 10 didn't make it the next year. And that was exactly the same for men's field last year to this year. So it's not unprecedented for there to be about a 50% turnover within the top 10. Some years it's a little less. Some years it's more. But it's it's normal to have that turnover. And what yeah. we, don't you know, like don't lose sight of the context we were talking about. You know, John Young and I did our, our pregame rankings. We both had guys the same top fifteen, but in a you know pretty different order. There were a lot of people with top ten to potential in this field, and even some guys that were well outside of our radar that were pushing for the top ten during the competition, like Nick Matthew. Uh, Cody, I appreciate you. I'm saying even dumber things than I say. And I'll send you 20 bucks. Thank you for making me. Um, you're a good dude that you're and you're love drunk. That's why you think that, uh, Barack Bez rumors about Ellie Turner and Medeiros dating. I, I don't think it's true because it's on Instagram post where someone tagged that they were, um, Jason's girlfriend and I went to the account and it was private. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's true, but I'm curious. It, w- it would be, maybe he has two girlfriends. I'm not, I'm not, I'm who's to judge. Uh, and, you want and to something cool. What? Or do you want to keep talking about the gossip? No, no, no. I was going to talk about Jason Hopper, but tell me something cool. Yeah, we could talk about Jason Hopper. Well, tell me what you were going to say. That was cool. Uh Oh, Oh, just nice. Just because we were talking about some of the parody and, and this turnover rate, yeah. there, I thought there was a pretty cool – when it came to event wins this year at the games, I thought it was it was pretty neat. So on the women's side, there were 10 women who won events. Wow. And seven of them won an event for the first time in their career. So wow. you know, And this is like – you know, there's a uncertainty about Tia retiring at this point. I think Cara Saunders is going to retire. Um but the women's field is in great hands, regardless of if they both come back or neither of them come back. There's a lot of women that showed this year that they have a, you know, the potential to shine at the CrossFit Games. That was cool. On the men's side, there were also ten event winners. Wow! And uh, three or four of them won for the first time. R- Ricky, you know, did win two events when he competed in 2017. They obviously won't count for him. So, and nobody, men or women won more than two events this year, which was also a, a pretty unique occurrence. So the parity on both fields is very good. The future for both fields is very bright. Obviously, Tia is still, you know, uh, dominating, I would say. Um, and if she comes back, she'll be the heavy favorite. But if she doesn't come back, I think that there's a, you know, it's wide open for five or six women. And I think if the, you know, and the men's field that everyone who finished in the top 10 has the chance to come back better next year. Uh, Lazar Jukic, uh, Sam, Sam, uh, Sam Quant, uh, Jason Hopper. Th- are, are these names we're going to start getting these? These are our guys for the next uh, four or five years. These are the, we're going to start seeing these guys 
fighting into the top five? I would say for sure for Lazar and Jason, and assuming that Sam Quant has shored up all his um, the medical problems that he had the previous year, also true for Sam. This was, I think, I don't know, I said it in the prediction show, Sam was the biggest unknown in the entire field. I think I put him in 15, 16, something like that. I think 16th. Um, because he just didn't know. You know, he's a very quiet guy. Harry Pally's a very quiet guy. He did put a post up recently saying how much he he values and respects Harry as one of his fr- best friends and one of the best coaches he's ever been around, uh, which was cool to, to, for him to say that because we don't know much about him. Um, everyone, you know, including me, thought that he overperformed in 2020 and was a beneficiary of the format that year and that if um, – you know, even if, if for example, Vellner didn't have a pulled groin during stage one, that probably Sam Quant would have taken third instead of second at the games that year. Uh, and that if there was a bigger field there, he might not have done as well. But when you come back two years later against what I've called the best men's field we've ever seen and looked this good, and the, the I'll tell you what, the moment that I knew Sam Quant was relevant in this competition was at the end of the capital workout. He picked up that sandbag, and while everyone, I mean, not everyone, but a majority of people were struggling with it, he just wrapped his arms around it. His course integrity was amazing, and he walked up those steps and passed a bunch of guys, and I was like, damn, Sam Kwan is back. Uh, what do you what do you think about Vellner's win um, in uh, Wadapalooza relative to how he placed here? He, he beat Adler there, right? He beat everyone there. Um, I've, I've talked about it before. I think that Wadapalooza in general is the worst predictor of the major off-season events relative to the games. Obviously, you can do both, great at both or bad at both, of course, but there's more people who have inconsistencies with their performances from Wadapalooza to the games than they do from Dubai to the games or from Rogue to the games. Um, there are a c- couple exceptions to that, like Katrin David's honor generally doesn't do as well at Rogue as she does at the games, for example. But uh, nevertheless, you know, uh, look, like Fellner still got sixth. It's worse than we're used to seeing him doing. It's not a, it's not a, a bad finish. Um, if it's true that he had a little, a knee problem that he's been managing for up to six months, that's post Wadapalooza and obviously leading throughout the game season. Um, so who knows? And he, and he put a post up and said, he's planning to come back, which I think is great. And, uh, you know, as far as, he and Fikowski go, both of them, you know, it's, uh, they're getting into their 32, 33, 34. And those are the ages where you have to, pri- to prioritize health over everything. Uh, BKG's talked about it before, you know, coming into the games, feeling good is really different than coming into the games, knowing that there's something that you're going to have to work around for the, the entire weekend when the test is that hard. Um, Samuel Cornwaye. I was thinking about this earlier today. Thanks Frank for oh, yeah. bringing this up. Uh, there, we we had some unknowns this year, some but in some great unknowns. Like I'm so thankful we have people like Quant, Dallin Pepper, Jay Crouch, and, and and the women have them too. Emma Lawson was fucking an, an amazing one. These 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 I had rocket an ships and we, conversation with Rob Forte Sunday night. By the way, okay, good. Um, and, and I can't wait to hear about it. I'm gonna write make a note here. Uh, they were they were unknowns, and we got to see them perform. Like we did, we had no idea was this dude gonna wreck shop like you could have really high hopes for them um now next year yeah cornway is going to be kind of that guy right he's going to be the one of those unknown factors is he top five does he win the games or does he shit the bed because he's had one year out and he he takes 26 
I'll tell you who is going to have a really, uh, what I think is going to be a tough decision is, is Rogue of who they decide to invite and, and allow to compete there this year, because I think there are way more than 20 guys that are capable of being in that field. The reason I bring it up is because I love. Have they ever invited someone from the team like that? Oh yeah. They invited rich, right? For the they, I legends. They, yeah. I, I don't know, and, but they've invited, you know, they, they have the liberty to invite who they want for, I think, 15 of the 20 spots traditionally, and they usually give five to the qualifier. I'm not sure if that's the same format they're running back this year. Maybe maybe someone knows. But I would, I'm hopeful that we get to see Sam in at least one of the major offseason competitions this year so we have a little bit of relevant data for him. Cornwall? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, his name is Samuel. Samuel. Okay. okay. Well, the last time we saw him at the games – he, you know, supposedly had gotten sick. He did have one incredible performance on the muscle up uh, sandbag workout. After no, he got no, sick, no, was it the muscle up workout or was it the rope climb workout? I think it was the muscle up workout. Um, sled flip, pig flip, muscle up workout. Yeah, sled drag. Uh, anyway, and that was like a glimpse into the the elite potential that he has. I think he won his heat and took second overall to Velner on the workout. He has talked very highly about himself. Uh, he looked great this week competing alongside Rich. He didn't look like uh, inferior to Rich. He looked like he was very much holding his own on just about everything. Um, yeah, I think that you know if Sam Cornwallier comes back into the men's individual field, that's just another guy that's that's in the way that's going to be threatening for a top 10 spot. Top five. Uh, top five. Oh, shoot. You can't see it. Oh, wait. Look it. Oh, son of a... Okay, uh, can you pull that... Oh, maybe I can share it some other way. Can you pull up that? I need to show Brian that. Brian loves the gossip. Brian loves the gossip. He's such a little gossip whore. Uh, click on that, and then look at that top comment, people. Look at that top. Oh, it's not there. It's not there. Damn. It's in this picture, this screenshot someone just sent me. Maybe I can show it to you in a different way. Hold on. I'll just do this. I'll share it ghetto style. Look at this comment right here. So this is Ellie Turner. Put on a sh- did, did Ellie get a win this uh, games? She won at the yes. 10th? Yeah. Which event? Ellie Turner. I apologize. I'm drawing a blank on that. And and her and her boyfriend didn't get a, a win, right? Oh, she won the hat trick. It was, dude, her squatting seat speed, the rebounding out of the wall balls was insanely fast and she had depth or, or did she yeah um well, uh easily uh uh and and uh, look at this comment by o'keefe on the bottom here look at everyone power couple power like 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 ben affleck and j-lo god i'm showing my age power couple okay i wonder if there's a i wonder if there's you want a to comment uh, on that comment of o'keefe's brian i know you like to romance is kind of your forte Oh, romance is my forte. Uh, no comment. Yes, Rich, fire. Bam. Best $2 I ever spent. I don't know what that means, but yeah. Oh, yes, you, you made a comment earlier. Uh, compare Vel... Oh, no, that's not you. That's Mike Sauce. Mike the Sauce. It's Mike the Sauce. Hat trick. Uh, Justin Medeiros didn't win an event, did he? He did not. It's the third time in the history of the CrossFit Games that the winner of the Games has not won an event. And the, the other were back in the turn of the century, right? James Fitzgerald, 2007. Tanya Wagner, Wagner 2009. Crazy. 
But <laughs> look at his that, event do, finishes. Do you, do you want to say anything about that? Is there anything to say about it? No, I mean, Fraser's done it only winning one. Madero's did it last year only winning one. You do not have to win any events of the games to win the games. He was 18th on shuttle to overhead, 12th on elevated Elizabeth, and I don't think he had anything worse than 7th after that, or 8th after that. He was 8th in the capital. Justin Madero's won the games because of the exact reason that he talked about in his post-games interview, which is he doesn't give away points anywhere. He fights for every point and every position and every workout, and he maximizes his potential better than any other athlete in the field every single time he takes the floor. It's by far the most impressive thing. None of the individual skills are that impressive. They don't shine out the way that Guy does sometimes or Roman does sometimes or any of these athletes do sometimes. He's just as steady and consistent and as efficient as possible every single time, and it is amazing to watch. But you have to watch in detail, though. You have to watch closely, and I know that it's hard sometimes to see on the broadcast because you can't see everything the same way you can in person. But being there, when I took the time to actually watch what he was doing, like I said about the sandbag, it was incredibly deliberate incredibly intentional and his execution is flawless feldner's talk about it the guy just does not make mistakes he hasn't made a mistake since uh, last year at semifinals and what was that mistake uh just mispacing a couple workouts and he's cheap and he's cheap and he's cheap as all get out cheap what do you mean just cheap he doesn't like does, he's frugal he's frugal he's good with his huh. money he watches I, I every penny he watches every penny i didn't talk to him at all the whole week until after he'd won him and ellie turner go dutch what does that mean? Like they both pay you like when you go out with a chick, you pay 50, 50. That's good. You don't know what that means. Okay. King of romance. I pay a hundred. Uh, i uh, thinking about Bethany's birthing plan. When Brian is talking, I, I don't know who Bethany is. Is there any Bethany's in the games? I had Bethany Hamilton on the surfer. Do you know, I've had three one armed, uh, uh, people yep. on the show. You didn't know that. Yeah. You talked about it. Uh, I, one of our, prediction shows that's pretty cool can you name them it's a good reminder though in case anyone wasn't there i know you had <laughs> <laughs> thanks brian you kind of had my back there that was that hard for you to do that was cool i had who well i'm assuming that bethany hamilton was one of them casey yes. i know is one of them yes and uh not sure the other one Logan Aldrich. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about Zach Rule. I had no legs. Oh, shit. He was one of our first ever podcasts, uh, well, of the the Revived podcast. That's right. Thank you, Susan. So I've had four four, uh, people with missing body parts. God, I need a tranny. So fucking bad. As a regular, I think it would be good good for me. We're not live, are we? Oh, shit, we are live. We have a thousand people watching. Are you talking about on the podcast or just in your personal life? Both. Well, I got one or two in my personal life, but I need like one, like a regular on the podcast, like that can answer like just questions for me. I don't know who Bethany is. Okay. Uh, Brian, I, I want to go over to the women. There's still a lot of dudes we didn't talk about. I have questions about Andre Houdet. Um, Travis Mayer, of course, Jay Crouch, uh, uh, Eric Zanoni deserves a mention. Um, oh, no, uh, no. What he deserves is to be called by his proper name. Oh, what is that? Enrico. Yes. That's what I said. Enrico Zanoni. <laughs> Maybe the most handsome guy at the games. Uh, handsome, humble, funny. Uh, yeah, I just got to spend a little bit of time with him. He was great. He sp- he, does he speak English? Uh, n- not amazing, but well enough. You should invite. You can invite him on. Okay. Uh, Nick slow, Matthew but... probably uh, needs to be invited on the show. 
Is Nick Matthew is Nick okay before we go to the women? Is Nick Matthew the vanilla ice of CrossFit? Is this just like a fucking <laughs> I not like vanilla ice, but just a one trick, one 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 hit wonder. We're never gonna see him again. Well, I'll be you know Nick Matthews is uh no very it's Matthew cur- Matthew. I know Nick Matthews is oh. Oh, a oh, very okay. sorry okay. I blended those together. Is a very curious case for me going forward. He's been really close to making the games a couple of times, and and based on the statistics that Tyler Watkins and I ran earlier in the year, you can make a pretty good argument that North American men deserve a couple extra spots than they have relative based on their performances at the games year after year. Uh, And if they did have those extra spots, he may have already been there. I do also think that, that this year featured some things that really favor Nick Matthew. Uh, Obviously he excelled on some of those more uh, specialty workouts. He's got really good gymnastics as we saw, and he's also pretty good with the odd object stuff, which there was a lot of. Um, so it's possible. So you that, don't know, so you're not sure. Yeah, I'm not. I, no, I'm not really sure. So, uh, so we throw him in the pile with with Cornwide for next year, like, huh? Question mark. The first question is, can he make it back? Right, because okay. he got in on a backfill this year, and he didn't qualify through the last chance qualifier. So, you know, apart from a failed drug test, he's not in this field at all, and we don't get we don't we, and then we don't have this data on him either. He he took Phil Toon's spot. Yeah, and he wow. actually finished basically exactly where I ranked Phil Toon. <laughs> oh shit! Wow, that's good stuff. Uh, Jay Bateman Roman would have won based on final points if it weren't for the sandbrat bag tiebreak fail. Have we addressed this? I don't even understand the question. It was a three-way fail, wasn't it? I'm not sure what I'm not sure exactly what he's referring to. Now the point. Can you were, bring up the scoreboard real quick, uh, Susa? Let's see what what. Um, what first, can you recap what happened? Uh, they were on the 300. Oh, he was out before he didn't make it to the 350, right? Okay, so what he's saying is he took 13th. He had the potential to take eighth if he would have met, if he would have won that tiebreak outright. Okay. And that's 64 points versus 79 points. That's 15 points. 15 points would not have been enough for him to win the game. So maybe 1172. It would have been It would have still now, made him 12 points behind. He also Justin. sacrificed nine points on a hat trick where he failed to tap both heads of the dumbbell to the oh, ground a couple of times and got some no right. reps. He could have gotten an additional nine points there. Even so, those 15 plus nine points, 24 points, still would have left him at one point short. But that's this is what I was talking about. Where we can point to moments in the weekend where Roman did not maximize his potential based on points in a moment, Justin always did. That was that's why Justin won and Roman didn't. It was execution uh, and maximization of opportunity. Um, Magnus Holgram, who watches the show only drunk. How many three-legged guys besides Brian have you had on the show? What country is that? That MX is that like the new currency, the new world order, where Klaus Schwab is? Is that Klaus Schwab money? Magnus Holmgren. Uh, all right, so much. <laughs> all right, too much shoulda, coulda, woulda. He lost. Shut it. We have to, we have time to fill. Uh, Rob Forte. Before we switch to the women, tell me about your um your schmoozing with uh, well, the former just, games totally- great. Totally random. So I I came downstairs to the hotel that the broadcast was staying in. They were having a, you know, drinks on the broadcast at the bar, get together. And all the Australians were there. Jay Crouch and his brother, Baden Brown, 
not Ricky, he was with the underdogs and whatever else, but Rob Forte and uh, some of their, I think Jay's whole family was there. His parents were there. Um, and I ended up talking to Rob for a while. And it was pretty interesting talking to Rob because, uh, you know, we spoke to him. And last year he was unable to go to the game. So he was only able to watch Jay from home. And as we've talked about, there's some things that you can't see at home that you can see when you're there in person. And so this was Rob's first opportunity to be at the games in person, coaching a great uh, athlete in Jay Crouch. And his assessment in mind of Jay is very similar, which is that he has all the physical skills. I mean, he's not the biggest guy out there. I'd say he's average to below average size and weight relative to the field, but he's pretty, he's, he's strong enough. He did well on that uh, back nine workout with the with the yoke front squats and, and heavy deadlifts. Um, you know he did okay with the sandbags. Like he's he's strong. He's strong enough to be at the games. He's got a good enough gymnastics to be at the games. He could pr- improve a little bit on some of his cardio stuff, but he's not terrible. But he didn't really do that well. And so Rob was watching him, of course, very closely. And then he was watching some of the other athletes, and he was uh, trying to think to himself. It's something in, it's got to be something intangible. It's something that these guys are doing differently in the workouts and he's not. And the funny thing is Rob basically said this and Jay told us this in the interview we did with him two, three weeks ago, which is that you have to lay it all on the line in every workout at the CrossFit games. Otherwise you're just going to bleed points every single time. You cannot be worried about the next workout. You cannot be worried about the next day. You have to go on the floor and Risk it and hope that you have the ability to recover and perform again and hope that you can rise to the level that you need to the next time that you have to take the floor. And your recovery is going to be worse than it usually is. Your sleep might be worse. Your nutrition might be worse. And you just have to trust that you've put in enough work and preparation to do it. Because if you take an event off or two events off or you don't push at the appropriate time, the rest of the field is too good and they're going to pass you by. And Rob more or less identified that by watching some of the guys that were the best as opposed to Jay, where when the moment was to push, and to go into the dark place or take the risk and, and send it, other athletes were doing it more so than he was. And he's not the only one in that situation. But it's risky to do it, and it's hard to do it. And I think every best- every event is a Super Bowl. You can't think of it as a fifteen uh, event day. Or it's like it's like the UFC. Every fight could, every fight matters because there's no homeostasis. Stasis. You're either going up or you're going down. Sure. I, I, it's not yeah. like baseball or basketball where there's 600 games in the year and you could lose one. Right. And you just have to be good in uh, January or whatever. No. So, uh, right. I, I got off track. Jay. Well, it's, it's cool. That you said about Jay Crouch. Something I noticed when I was watching the teams oh, is how fast Annie is compared to team athletes. Annie well, look, is I mean, I'm fast. I, Annie could throw herself back into the individual field and be top, top five, top 10 athlete. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of women in the team division that could do that. The capital is the best example of what we were just talking about is that at the end of that event, I talked to some people that were at the finish line. I did not go to the finish line for that one. And I talked to some people that were there and they're like, dude, there were athletes that had to be rolled out of the way. They were just, like sitting there. Oh, I saw that. I, minutes I, I, I saw end. that. Yeah. They were like basically non-responsive that their nervous system had totally shut down. And two and two and a half hours later, they were back out on the field at North park doing a workout that had 36 ring muscle-ups, 90 GHG sit-ups and jumping over these super high boxes. Your body, like the, the, their bodies are so well-trained and so well-prepared and you just have to believe that you'll be able to do it. Like you have to know that you're going to be able to recover from it and not worry about it. If you want to 
do as well as you can do at the games, you can't, you cannot back off in any workout. Throttle, full throttle. Uh, Sevon's kids were conceived on that couch. <laughs> not exactly, not that one. That one was in my no, not that. That that's a that's a hand me down from. You were conceived on that couch. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible. That's more likely. That's more accurate. Uh, okay, let's cruise over to the uh, chicas. Chicas. I don't think I don't think Tia is quitting. Man, that was that's a brutal situation. Why? Because they told us that she was. Everyone. But I think it's okay. Like for their no, to be- it, no, but it, but Sean Woodland's taking a huge hit for this publicly for announcing that he checked with every source beforehand and said, "You're sure." And you're sure, and you're sure, and everyone's good with this. Fuck yes. those people. That's okay. No, Fuck it's those not, people. No, I would say that that's not cool. Don't tell us that, and then not do it. If you're not sure, then don't say anything. Uh but 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 ah, uh, God, I can't. If if you're if you're gonna blame someone, you just gotta. Well, if you're if someone's gonna own up to it, it's just gotta be Sean. He came out of his mouth, but like, who cares if she changed her mind? He would Sean, never say that on a whim. But but oh, I agree with that. I'm not saying I I believe. A hundred percent that Sean knew for a fact she was going to quit and that she believed she was going to quit. I also believe that um, she changed her mind. And I think that that's, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And I think that's totally, uh, totally fair. Um, and anyone who's whole, like, it's obvious that Sean wouldn't have just said that. Hey, they, even before someone else said it, even before yeah, the but event the broadcast started, is the thing that lives on in history. That's the right. call. That's always going to be there. And now, and going forward, if she decides to compete, then that he always looks like an idiot on that call. And it's not his fault. He, well, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, it is he, his fault. He no, said it's it. not. He, he chose to with, say it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Agree to disagree. Okay, fine. Well, the thing is, is I don't think what he did was bad. No, I just don't think that it was necessary to tell everyone that. Let me ask you this crazy question. Then let's say, let's say she told, let's say she told Sean, Hey, this is it. I'm done. And then he said, Hey, can I say that? She said, yeah, go for it. I think that would actually be cool. Let's say she, let's say that happened. And then she changed her mind. Would you you say, ah, don't change your mind. You're going to make Sean look bad. No, I would say, yes, we told him, to, we told everyone oh. that, that we were planning to do that and that was okay. She'll and now probably that I'm say done that with eventually, it, won't she? I, I, I don't oh. feel like I'm done. I feel like I have more to give. Yeah. And if she says that, I don't, then I'm cool with it. And everyone's, I think, cool with it. Dear Sean, but, but I just want everyone to know I spoke to Tia earlier today and she wanted me to tell you guys. <laughs> I, 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 uh, earlier look, today, look. Tia called me and um, she was she wanted some recipe, banana bread recipe. My wife, no, makes Sean knows. But, but I Sean, asked her. Go ahead. Sean, Sean knows and prepares to all of those and prepares for those final calls. They're, you know, those are big deals. They're big moments. They're the ones that are going to be replayed. He writes them up. He goes over them. He checks in with some of his confidants about it. He'll rewrite them. He'll practice them. He wants to get them right. Lining them up with the timing can be difficult in the workout. It's a high stress, high environment. It's a you know high emotion time. He had something prepared, and then they were. It was informed that she was going to retire, and so he reworked something. And I thought he did a great job of reworking it in a short amount of time to get that call off. And it was all you know. Now it's kind of. Why do you think that she changed her mind? Because I here's why I think. 
it, this is based on nothing. This is complete fucking bullshit I'm making up. But I think that she's she didn't like being exposed by the programming. A little bit. I think I, have, I think she wanted yeah. more. I think she's like fuck it. I, I can I can beat these bitches down more. <laughs> like yeah, like, I mean, like look, that. She's, she was she was exposed a little bit by the programming. I think she was exposed kind of uh, less than the results necessarily show. I think that the, there were two workouts that she was a little bit exposed on, and the and neither one of them were her worst event finish. The skill speed manly was a single under trip, which could and that honestly could happen to anyone. Uh, elevated Elizabeth, I think she was her position on the traverse of the parallel bars was not as impressive as I thought. We actually can we see the workout, Sousa? Now that Brian's um, t- t- Brian wants the show to be like a legitimate sports show, I want it to be TMZ. We're in a tussle. <laughs> okay, go on. We bring up the workout. Prior, the so day. she was coming off of uh, obviously, well, her second worst event finish of her career in the skill uh, medley event, and coming into elevated Elizabeth, we were putting uh, like lines in the back betting lines of how much she would win the next workout by. And I set the over under at 40 seconds and she ended up taking ninth in that event and finishing um, over a minute behind the winner, Ariel Lohan, who was awesome in that workout. Um, and she was actually just awesome in general. Uh, and uh, it's kind of cool getting to know Ariel's uh, husband too. I, I've seen him in a lot of like uh, footage now, which is kind of cool. But okay, the um, cool, he's cooler than I thought. I thought he was going to be like a dork who just flips houses, but he's, he's, He's like a, a man's man. He's like manly. Okay, go on. So the parallel bars, you know, her, her position, her, her shoulders are really up on the uh, traverse. And I think that it was taxing her more than most of the other women that were, you know, especially the women in the top 10. Still, ninth is not a terrible finish. But I do think like she was a little bit unprepared for that one. And then also the uh, alpaca event on the last day, alpaca event, um, 17th on that was, I was pretty surprised. But I wasn't sure on the last day. If she, was she was chilling. Actually, I wasn't sure how much she was. I know on the final event she was taking it in and, and she, she didn't seem to be in a rush. I'm pretty confident that she would do top three at worst in that workout if she wanted to. I think she was pushing it on the back nine workout because I think she wanted to beat Laura on the yoke and get a little bit of redemption on her from the Aeneas workout in 2018. She uh-huh. took second to her again here. But the alpaca, alpaca workout was the one that was curious for me. And so, yeah, maybe maybe she does feel like that. I don't know. But it's also like it's very possible. That's why, you know, it's, I'm always hesitant to, for people to like make these big decisions or claims in the heat of the moment. It's really possible that she went home and within two days she was like, you know what, Shane? I, I don't think I'm done. I still love doing this. Well, even I mean, the, the uh, whoever was interviewing her at the end, she said, uh, are you going to compete again? She goes that now that's the question. She said, we'll see. Which was not no what no no she, she said she said will I thought she said well now that's the well either way she basically left it open yeah and even before Sean said it someone had said we are now seeing about to see Tia Toomey take the floor for the last time or someone someone else said he that. said no Sean said and for the final time Tia Toomey is the fittest woman on earth no but even before that even before that event began. Someone in the live broadcast, someone interviewing, someone somewhere on when we were watching, okay, basically said it. I think it was a girl. It may have been in the uh, day at the games, Annie Sakamoto, maybe. I don't know. But that's because we were all informed that it was. I'm glad it's not. I hope it's not. Here's the thing, too. Here's what I here's here's oh, Kiki said it on the floor. Maybe maybe that's what I heard, Brenda. 
Yeah, Kiki also did say it on the floor, which was the whole thing was weird. There were plenty of opportunities for it to be done elegantly and orchestratedly and in a clear way. And right now, everyone's just confused about it, which is good. Good. I like it. Well, that sandwiches it up between the first bike event, which we're all confused about, and TS. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> shit sandwich. Um, those women who are competing against her should be ecstatic if she comes back. I mean, if I was Mal O'Brien, like, I mean, they, if you can beat her, you take her soul. You take her, and by that I mean in the most superficial sense, it's probably the opposite soul. You take all her street cred to to your sponsors. Like it really you're the girl who beat Tia Toomey. It's cool as shit. I think I think that, you know, for all the other women, they really shouldn't worry about it. They're if they're coming back, then they'll say, Okay, I have a Well, another if you can leverage to it to her. train hard, if you can leverage it to train harder. Sure. But I think that most of those women that really believe that they have a chance to beat her which there might not be very many are going to train pretty damn hard either way. And, and maybe it's not even trained. Maybe it's like, Hey, Justin Medeiros doesn't make mistakes. Maybe so people are going to start realizing that and be like, Hey, that's what I need to train this year. Not to make mistakes. If you haven't figured that out by now, you know, with your coach, uh, you know, I don't know what it, you know, it's one thing to know that and to prepare for it. It's another thing to do it, do the doing it is the hard part. Um, Rich going masters confirmed. Did you, that's just comments. oh yes. Yeah. Well, Rich, me and Rich going masters together next year. Head to head. La- last night's show, there were twenty over twenty two hundred comments in the chat. Twenty two hundred comments in the chat. You never mentioned to me a stat about the comments. Before. I, I I know. Well, that <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't even know there was a stat for that. Look at Susan laughing his ass off. I didn't even know there was a stat for that. I just was just digging around today when I was at, at skateboarding camp for fucking three hours. And I saw that as a stat. I was like, holy shit. 22. They tell you how many people were in the chat. There's like a graph for it. Pro- probably Susan could find out how many people have already commented in the chat so far. We could just stay live until we break that. Uh, Tia Toomey, um, I want to ask you a question about Justin Medeiros now that, before I forget, is that the worst performance of a games champ ever? I know that's a fucked up way to ask that. Uh, no, no. Okay. Did it, I mean, there were 14 opportunities to score events or, or points and he finished eighth or better 12 times. Okay. Okay. How, how, how would you, is how would you compare that? Can you c- compare apples to apples? Like, could you take like all of Rich's, take all the athletes and like add up their scores and divide it by how many events and be like his, the placement is 3.7. Is that, is that how you we, do that? We or? could do that, but here's Rich's last year. He had a, Halpin can have it done 15th, before the show's the 27th, over. the 13th, the 15th. So he had, f- he had five finishes of that caliber, two of which were way worse than any of the finishes that Justin had. So, so Justin's better than than Rich on track. I'm saying it wasn't the worst games performance by a male champion. Ever. Good. That was a trick question. You were going to be strike struck by lightning. Uh and and and, T- and this we've done a and, lot of episodes. I can and, navigate your trick questions all right. Uh, uh and Tia Toomey, was this her worst performance as a champion? Mm, I don't know. It's Maybe maybe close with 2017. I'd have to look more at that. This, this is such a 
fucked up comment. Brian, thank you for your knowledge. Someone, thank you for your pleasure. Oh, so I'm the guy with the camera and he's the nude one. And, and th thanks for taking naked pictures of Brian. Fuck off. I mean, thank you, soccer mom, for appreciate for being a long time uh, supporter of the show. Where are you? Okay. Uh, Mallory, Mallory O'Brien, um, points wise, she looks, uh, oh, over 100 points. What? Uh, she's over 100 points below Tia. Um, do you think that that played a role in Tia's 17th place in the final event? Well, it wasn't. Uh, look, if she took 17th on that workout, I mean, Mal took 18th. If Mal took first on that workout and closed 60 points on her, that might have been a problem and would have caused some drama going into the last two events. So I don't, that's you know, that's why I said that's the one, that's the, that alpaca workout for Tia is the biggest question mark for me about. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. She took 10th. Sorry. And Jackie pro. Sorry. Oh yeah. By the time she was starting the final, she'd already locked up the win. So she could just soak that in if it was going to be her last event, which you know what? It's totally possible that she could have believed starting that workout that that was the last event she'd ever do at the CrossFit games. And it looked like it based on the way she was methodically going through it, looking around, taking things in, smiling to her family. Um, so yeah, for the last workout, I would say definitely it was reminiscent of Fraser on the last workout, the Fibonacci finale workout in 2017, where he was just making sure he got the minimum work requirement and enjoying the moment and then lunging to the finish. I'm thinking about uh, maybe how Sean could have worded it differently. I still don't think it's his I, – I don't think he did anything wrong though. Uh, um, so uh, Mal O'Brien, a uh, second place, n really no threat to Tia. There's still no threat to Tia. Uh, Laura Horvat, no threat, right? I think that, I mean, those were the three that I had, uh, predicted to be on the podium. I think that they kind of showed their class by the end of the weekend relative to the field. Danielle was very impressive this week, but still I think had, uh, some of her holes exposed, Laura's known holes were exposed in this programming, which is expected. Mal is, is you know, she, you know, she still had some event finishes that were a little bit low, primarily on the strength tests. She's pretty small relative to the other women up there, but she's also very young. And in general, she's plenty strong for how young she is. Um, I mean, she has, like, everything is lining up for her to to possibly be the next woman that can reel off multiple titles. Uh, I, I think it, I, I'm not a sports guy at all, but I think in sports it's called clutch. I think that what Laura and Danielle did was clutch. What, 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 and, and maybe even Brooke Wells, what Emma Lawson did was not clutch. Meaning when it, when push came to shove in the last day, they fucking did what they needed to do to fucking scrape and climb their way to the top. Emma Lawson did it not. just had it to off. do with where the workouts were placed. So you okay, could look fine, at Emma Lawson. I, I told you I'm not a sports guy. Fine. No, no, it's not. No, clutch. this is a good, it's a good point of conversation. Okay. You could look at Emma Lawson's last six workouts, which is the last two days. And you could say, hmm, 15th, 10th, 33rd, 24th, 21st, 14th. That's not very good. She broke down as the week went along. Or you could say, you could be reminded of the earlier part of the conversation where I told you that the gymnastics was heavily featured and the skills were heavily featured in the first half of the workouts and the weightlifting was heavily featured in the back half of the workouts. And we can make the same conclusion that we did about Mal, which is she's incredible. She's only 17. The fact that she's not strong relative to this field should not be that surprising. You mean Emma Lawson? Yeah. 
Okay. And if those workouts with the strength elements, like the back nine and the sandbag ladder and al- alpaca, as it ended up being written, were in the front half of the workout or the test, she would have her weekend might have looked very similar to Laura Horvath's, where she started in the mid twenties and ended up all the way up at six or something like that. You could also say that um, God loves Laura Horvath the most and took the rope climbs out of. Uh, I don't think the the rope climbs would have affected Laura as much as most people think. There are other women that certainly would have been affected by that, and I think much more more harshly so than Laura. I still think she finishes top three in that workout either way. Probably still wins it. Okay, Okay. I'll tell you this. When I first saw the entire slate of workouts, and I looked at what the last four workouts are, I thought Laura's going to get 370 out of 400 points. She actually got more than 370 out of 400 points. In the last four workouts, she took a third, a first, a first, and a fourth. Yeah, so six and 12, so 18. So she got 382. I thought she'd get at least 370 when I first saw those workouts. And I was like, damn, if you get 370 out of 400 points, and that's on day one, you're leading. Maybe you're second to Tia. If you get 370 on the last day, when you know that most of the athletes are going to be broken down and at their worst, and Laura's never shown that she breaks down over the course of the game. She's always good from start to finish. I was like, she could make a, a really big jump, either points-wise or placement-wise, on the last four workouts, and she did. So for me, who saw the whole slate of workouts on Tuesday, there was nothing surprising about that. Uh, but for someone who didn't know what was coming, it was incredible to watch, extremely exciting, and potentially surprising. Uh, Laura's the only athlete to have two uh, first place finishes. No. Oh. Uh, Tia, Laura, Haley, and Lucy Campbell all had two first place finishes. Wow. I, I don't see Tia. I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm cruising through. Oh, sh- sh- okay. Okay. So who were they again? Laura? Laura, Tia, Haley, and Lucy Campbell. And anyone with three? No, we already talked about that. Even on the men's side, there were five. Did I count that right? Patrick Clark said something. Oh, because there was a tie. That's what it was. Patrick Clark said something interesting here. He must have stole from Mike Halpin. Unless <laughs> Patrick's got the calculator off or the calculator out while Halpin takes the off. He was saying that the average age of so, – where is that comment? It was, it was a fucking uh, – Holmberg 2011. Ah, oh, thank you, Patrick. Uh, thank you, Susa. Uh, Patrick Clark, only four women wore the leader jersey. Take out Tia, and the average age of the other women was 18.6 years old. Haley, Emma, and Mel. Yeah. And they're, mo- and they're competing against their mom out there, Ariel Lowen. Crazy. Should have been a pretty young mom. Um, do you think um, – uh, what do you think about Danielle Brandon's – uh, performance in is this? Did we just watch her do the best games of her career? Is that is that we just saw her? Uh, I don't know because you know, s- similarly to both Emma and Mel, she struggled on sandbag ladder, alpaca, and back nine. So her strength was exposed there, and we know that you know from from semifinals, for example, even with the barbell in the in the barbell complex, she didn't do great. So she's definitely got room to improve her strength. She has barely been able to squat this year, from my understanding, as she's been coming back from some injuries that she's been having. So I'm hopeful that she can have a healthy season where she's able to actually go through some meaningful strength cycles. And if she is able to improve her strength, then she is obviously in the conversation for a podium threat. 
Can you talk honestly about Gabriella Magawa? Yeah. Okay. What happened? What do you mean? She took eighth. Okay. This was supposed to be her year. Top five. Top five. And if the fifth, if the Lagos rope climbs had not had been included, she would have done worse than eighth. Yeah. Right. It's a. Uh, no, I mean, Gabby's got some uh, some incredible uh, workouts. Of course, I mean, she won the Capital workout. That's like uh, one of them. You know, that's a, that was incredible to you know to win that workout. Of course, but she she got exposed in a few workouts. Uh, most everyone did. Um, she struggled with that hands. You know, the gymnastics basically got her, and uh, I think in some el- elements. Uh, she just wasn't ready for for some of those new variations of of specific movements. But I think that she has are a, her holes forever. Mm, like I don't think she'll ever be elite at legless rope climbs, for example. But she could. Why? Why not? Why not? Is that a hard one to? Is that that's a hard one to fix? This is who, a, el- who else mean, is not elite? Who else is not elite at legless rope climbs? Danny Spiegel, Brooke Wells this year for sure. Uh, Amanda Barnhart. Okay. Okay. Those are good names to be lumped up with. Are there any dudes who aren't world-class? Legless rope climbs? Um, no. So the thing is, like, you know, people are obviously complaining a lot about that workout. Adrian Bosman was very clear in the briefing that he talked to us that that was not a legless rope climb workout. He did acknowledge that if you are really bad at legless rope climbs, which I, I think there's about 10% of the women's field that is very bad at legless rope climbs, that they, those can obviously stop you in your tracks. But he told us beforehand, and he told me yesterday when I talked to him, that in all of the rounds of testing they did for this, the kettlebells were the limiting factor for most people. And the time they spent on the kettlebells was so much more significant than anything else. When Which spoke, we saw the ske- ke- kettlebell rock uh, Emma Lawson. And Tia and Mal and the pa- Panchik brothers. You know, a lot of the smaller athletes struggle with those kettlebells. Now, some of those athletes certainly could have made up time, especially some of the women, Haley and, and Christy Aramo, uh, maybe Mal, Emma Lawson, on the Lagos rope climb relative to some of the other women. But like I talked to Taylor Self, and he thinks that Christy could have gone from 27th to 5th on this workout if the Lagos rope climbs were included in there, never having seen anyone do it with Lagos rope climbs. And I talked to Adrian Bosman twice about it, who's seen everyone who's ever done the workout do it, and he doesn't seem to think that that, that it is that dramatic of an impact. We don't we don't really know because we didn't get to see it play out. I do think that the workout is better with the legless rope climbs. I think it was a really hard decision for them to make. I do think it had some implications on the leaderboard, particularly for the women's side come the end of the weekend. And it's just one of those things that you have to accept. Um, the, the workout Brian's talking about is alpaca. Just so you guys know, all the women are st- – fucking horses strong as oxes who who laura horvat danny spiegel karen freyova ellie turner gabriella magawa alexis raptus those are the the top six then emma mcquade squeezes in there she's a bird but then amanda barnhart cara saunders uh ariel lowen i mean these are these are fucking strong humans and uh and, and but 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 you're also saying that that most of these women are strong poolers also except for the ones you mentioned that that like the danny spiegel and and, and laura horvath i brought that up before thinking for some reason I, I i just can't accept the fact that she's a great climber but but the boys jr and taylor unfucked me on that too they're like dude the girl can pool so here's the th- here's the thing it was 
it was similar to the bike to work. It was just unfortunate circumstances. They were pressed for time because they had to make the obligation for the CBS broadcast later in the day. So they had to make a decision under tension. It was never Adrian's intention to abandon the rope climbs altogether, but he doesn't make that decision independently. He talks to a bunch of people that are consulting him from an equipment specs perspective, from a weather perspective, from a safety and medical perspective. And at the end of the day, with all the input from all those people, they, that's the decision that they came to. We heard Bill Henniger. We heard a report that Bill Henniger said wet ropes are not a problem. Well, I don't know if that's true. That's just like one of the most saying, interesting like things about this situation. Yeah, is that there has been a CrossFit sanctioned event in the Filthy One Fifty that had a legless rope climb with a legless descent in an outdoor venue, and they chose to do it even though it was raining. And the athletes, it was raining during the event. Yeah, and the athletes figured it out. And that's one of the things that I would say in general about this. This is just a general learning point. Like, and we talked about it earlier with the sandbag. And this is the reason why I wanted to see all of them have a chance to do the crossover double runners if you're going to have them. And why I want to see all of them have a chance to do the L-sit press to handstand. The athletes will respond in the moment. Dave's always talked about it. It's the athletes that make the test. It's the athlete that makes the experiences. It's the athletes that make the moments. I think that if there was any way to include them, you should have tried to include them. They have those big crash pads here for a reason. This is a good question from David Arsenault that we can definitely talk about if you want. Do you know to. who this is? Yeah. He and oh. I have co-written a couple articles for the Morning Chalk Up. He actually just oh. sent me one earlier today as well that we'll see if we publish it or not. Because he knows the answer. I like people who ask questions like this. Like this guy knows the answer to the question but still asks it, and that's important. Uh, he may or may not know the answer. So I was super curious about this, in fact. Um because when I looked at the entire test, I noticed that they were chest bar pull-ups, ring muscle-ups, bar muscle-ups, legless rope climbs, pegboards, and legless pegboards. So you have just about every possible element of, of upper body pulling movement at a high skill that you could have in one competition. Last year, they had all of almost all of those also, but they didn't have legless pegboards, but there were more pegboards, and they didn't have legless rope climbs. They had regular rope climbs. So it's not unprecedented to have a lot of volume and a lot of diversity of upper body pulling movements. But upper body pulling was still tested sufficiently, I think, in this test. That's where Taylor and JR disagree with me. But I watched people do that swimming workout, and the people who did it best were intentionally skiing without their lats. They were skiing using their, the, the legs and the hips and saving the lats for the last two rounds when the pulling would matter the most. And for the women, at least, the ring muscle-ups was a limiter on the up and over workout. For the men, it was not. It was definitely the tall box jumps. Um, but there was uh, – this is the cool thing about this work, the, the workouts this year. It's actually, so it is – so just to answer Dave's question, it, it, it was fine without the rope climbs. We didn't – it didn't, didn't – it was fine. I think overall so. in the here's, totality. Here's the thing. What I was about to say is a lot of the workouts, it's difficult to identify one limiting factor. For example, in the last workout where you had 30 bar muscle-ups at the end, there were people that were making big passes on the bar muscle-ups. But why were they making big passes on the bar muscle-ups? It could have been because they could handle the forced rowing pace better. So they were fresher getting there. So even if they didn't have as much of a capacity on them, they were in a better condition to knock out big sets. This is a uh, true. This is a true statement. Um, so I do think I do definitely think that there was something lost. The thing that I can't 
ignore is the fact that the guy who programmed the entire test and who clearly invested a ton of time into doing it has told me on multiple occasions that the kettlebells are the limiter on this workout for the men for sure and for 90% of the women's field. And until I see the workout play out in real time, I have to take his word for it. He's the only one who's ever seen it done that way. I saw them testing that workout. They've he tested it over and over and over again, just like he did a majority of these different variations, different iterations. And he knew that the Lagos rope climbs were there and they were obviously a challenge and something a little different, but it wasn't in his opinion, the limiter. Um, as it turns out, Oh, the, the, kettlebell and specifically the kettlebell to overhead was the clear limiter in this workout otherwise. And, uh, and therefore I think that, yes, this test was that test. The LPAC was definitely slightly skewed by not having those. And was the over overall test skewed? I already have said that there are some women in particular who would not have done as well, or might've done a little bit or would have done a little bit better placement wise. If the Lagos rope climbs had been in there, maybe uh, two, two to four spots at most up or down on a leaderboard. Um, I, I know this is a, a tough uh, time to ask you this, but without any more data, but Ellie Turner took 18th. In what? Uh, in the uh, CrossFit Games this year. Oh, okay. Uh, right below Danny Spiegel. Yeah. Does she do better next year? Ellie? Yeah. I think so. Um, like, can she break I'm, top? Can she break top 10? Next year, I don't know. In her career, I think eventually, yes. Um, did anyone else retire? Just speak about retiring. I'm under the impression that Cara is going to retire. I don't know where I heard that or why. Um, I would I would echo this. Can we check her Instagram, Susa? Cara Saunders. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. But I would I would overall echo the sentiments in the comments. Is you know let the athletes make those announcements when they want to. Um, uh, did you hear any of those athletes? Any athletes make that announcement that you can echo? Uh, let's see. Okay. Let's click on that. Uh, a decade of lessons. How lucky I've been to learn so much. The biggest, most valuable thing I've learned in this sport and life is unpredictable. It's not always fair. And you often, uh, fall short more than you succeed. However, each person is given choices daily. I choose how much I want to give a certain parts of my life and how much blah, blah, blah. Took me so long to understand, but choosing to enjoy my journey hundred percent. I'm one of those weirdos that likes to work really hard, but isn't free. That's the end of my motivational speech. Uh, morale is what a, Bloody chaotic but epic week. Uh, what a ride. Uh, okay, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, is it true that um, that um, the taller athletes didn't have to go to the red bar because it was lower to do the um, bar muscle-ups? Yes. Okay. Uh, Which is, you know... Taylor had mentioned that he thought that workout should have been placed somewhere else. And I think in particular, because of that, they that fact that they allowed that I agree with him at the final workout, you know, you want something that's really easy to follow a progression that's natural and evolves across the floor, especially since it's going to be in a live showing on CBS where you're trying to showcase the sport. You want it to be easily digestible, uniform in application. And, I, and, you know, obviously there was a controversy around the pull-up bar heights at the, at the Granite Games and the Atlas Games and throughout semifinals, I think that it was a good decision to let them do the bar muscle-ups on the bar that where they could actually get the benefit of the kip. Um, but having it as a last workout takes away from a little bit of the drama of the race because Roman was beating Justin, but he was two bars behind him, so it wasn't really obvious that he was beating him. Right. But, but we knew at home what was going on because we had a counter. 
Okay. Good. So, so yeah, I mean, I, it, it, um, it turned out good. Uh, Brooke, Brooke Wells, in, incredible finish top five, right? Uh, come back from a, Just, uh, yeah. pro- I, I mean, I'm thinking it's gotta be one of the most, the scariest injuries we've seen across the game's history and the next year, bam. She's probably, she might finish as low as seventh if the Lagos rope climbs are, in, are included here. Um, maybe eighth, but not, I don't think any lower than that, but either way, just the, the way that she, what she's done in the last 12 months is incredible and should be celebrated. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's honestly, it's a testament to, you know, there were just overall medical of things that we have available for athletes to make some kind of recovery like that. But also she has to put in an incredible amount of work. She has to be very trusting in that process. She has to take some risks um, I think it was a very emotional year for her. I'm really happy for her and impressed that she was able to do that. Um, is is do do the women? You might not like this question. Uh, do the women um, have a Fakowski? A Fakowski? Did the women's race have a, a have a Brent Fakowski? Um, like, you know, elaborate. Possibly, maybe like uh, Amanda Barnhart. You know, she finished 14th. We're used to seeing her in kind of that seven, eight, nine range. But uh, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, like anyone who didn't, there's a bit of a like, whoa, what happened? No, I mean, Haley and Gabby did a little bit worse, still inside the top 10. Haley's <laughs> performances this year echoed last year's pretty, like, it was pretty similar. Uh, last year, she had seven top 10s, no event wins. This year, she had five top fives. Maybe I wrote that wrong, two event wins. She had three bottom 10s this year, four bottom 10s last year, but a lot of those were coming after cuts were made. So, you know, it, it just, I think, overall speaks to more of the the field getting better. Then she didn't really do that much worse. Um, Amanda Barnhart finished you know, lower than she traditionally has, so she might be the best answer to that. I'd like to say this, by the way, anyone out there, uh, if you did not see the short interview I did with Amanda Barnhart, you should. That is one of the coolest uh, ladies I've had on the podcast. And if you are a podcaster and you want to have a fucking slam dunk, easy, awesome engaged guest get her uh she's cool she's real uh she's healthy uh, people should know her uh I, i'd like to have her on again if you, i'd like she, to have her make shows for me better hurry up khaleesi i'm looking for someone else uh thurry helga daughter nine times to the crossfit games ten times Not how many times i think i don't think it was nine either but a lot how of many? times <clears throat> she gets capped on the row, you know it was this actually is, super. This cool. is a fucking real games athlete. This is this is like a seven times. Seven times. I mean, she's she's um that she's like that's a that's like Hall of Fame status, right? Starting back in 2012. I mean, she's been very consistent, you know, in the sport for a long time, and she's been to the game seven times. Yeah, there's not a lot of people who can say that. Uh, I, I mean, there's great CrossFitters who have not been to the game seven times. You want to know something cool about right? that like, row? But yeah, tell me, Christy. She PR'd her row to make that time cap. And I didn't know that when I was watching it. I think she's publicized it since then. But I was watching her. And, I, I mean, it was obvious that she was. Her stroke rate was nuts. Into it. Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was going into that place where you're not even, like, going all the way into the catch. And you're just increasing your stroke rate and getting everything you can. And she said she had a two-second PR on a 1K row to make that time. Um, that's that, like. 
I saw someone made a comment about she was the- wounded. She was like, they yeah, showed her. She looked like a dog who'd been hit by a car. I mean, she's like, <gasps> she was wounded. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying where it looked like the bar muscle ups were maybe the separator on that workout. It wasn't necessarily the case, depending on how well you were able to manage the row. You could feel pretty good getting to the bar muscle ups, or you could have just been totally trashed. Christy in 30 bar muscle ups for time is going to probably be top three in the field. And she wasn't really able to make as big of a push on those as she would have otherwise, because she had just PR'd her 1K row at the end of a week of competition. But as with many things, someone had made a comment in there that the demo team athletes were good at legless rope climbs. Adrian tested these workouts with many people before the demo team ever got ever got on site, and a variety of different people that are good and bad at these things. And it was he said that it, he was very confident in the men's time for that row. And that it took a lot of nuance and testing to finally get the women's time right. And that he was a little nervous about it. But at the end, he was confident it was the right time. And the fact that 28 out of the 30 women made it means that I think he chose a perfect number at 340. Um, I, I, the, the rookie didn't make it. Rebecca Fuslier, uh, small, not doesn't look like she was given any uh, tools to, to row uh, at, at birth. But really is is that the right time that a seven times seven times crossfit games qualifier from, from not easy regions doesn't doesn't no. make it yeah i i don't think there's i mean you wanted it to be aggressive the time for men was 315 i don't think anyone finished under 310 some of them were able to just be very consistent and controlled oh. in this you would be so disappointed in me, Brian. I brought that up in the show I did with John Young, and thank God for John Young. He saved the day so many times. But anyway, let me go back to bashing him. And I pushed back. I'm like, these times are crazy aggressive. He's like, they're not that aggressive. It's not that. And I'm like, oh, and, I, and I just back down like a pussy. They're, so this, they're crazy the aggressive. Stimulus, Tell me how right I was. The goal was they could do it, but they don't want to do it. Okay. If you didn't have that there, everyone would have rolled – rode 10 to 30 seconds slower wow. knowing okay. that they could then capitalize on big sets of thrusters or big sets of bar muscles. But by forcing them into that pace they were, that's not how they would usually execute a workout in a training session. And I love that he did that. And I guarantee you that people in general will now be second guessing how they incorporate pacing into the structure of their workouts. Uh, when, when the, the, by the way, this is why you watch the show. Just Brian's just dropping gems now. Um, the Christy Rama thing is brilliant. That that's a PR for. Um, <clears throat> do, tell me what you know about the sandbag event, Brian. Tell me what as the when you guys are the broadcast and these fuck the, these fucking knuckleheads max out the bags. Um, yeah, yeah. This is good. what are you guys doing? Are you guys like, oh shit, should we get ready for the 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 tiebreaker? Should we get ready for the the interview well, to for the winner? Like, what the fuck were you guys like trying to figure out what the fuck's going on? But, so Adrian was standing like twenty feet away from me on the floor while this is going on, and he's watching, and I'm watching him because I know from the briefing that Griffin Raleigh either barely got or barely missed the three hundred thirty bag, and everyone so, knows. So, so sorry for some one second for those of you who don't know the there there was a. This event was lifting up a heavy bag and putting it on your shoulder, and there were bags that kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and there became a point where the bags went up to 340 pounds, and three guys lifted them, or four guys, and those four guys, you could tell from watching it, they couldn't fucking believe they lifted them. They were in shock. We were in shock at home. The whole thing was fun, and the show kind of stopped for a second because it was like, uh-oh, now what? Okay, sorry, Brian, for the agency. Go ahead. 
So Griffin Raleigh, who's one of the strongest guys in CrossFit, had either just barely gotten or just barely missed the 330 back in train. Adrian is a seasoned veteran. Of course, he knows it. And in the heat of the moment, like people will rise to the occasion. But by no means did they expect that many guys to last that long into the competition. They had actually a plan for pairing it down at 21 athletes to only three guys lifting and then pairing it down at 10 athletes to only one guy lifting. And they almost had to abandon that because there was like still 16 guys left at the 310 or 320 pound bag. I mean, it was crazy. And then you had those huge tie breaks. But when they were about 300, 310, I got Adrian's attention and I asked him because the broadcast was asking the exact question that you are. What if, if multiple people lift the 340, what's the plan? And he said, stay tuned. But as for now, it's tie break. We're just going to do the tie break. And then a few minutes go by, people are still staying in and he comes over and he goes, Hey, there's a 350 bag in the back. Bill just made it for him. J- just made it. I think I asked Adrian that too. So there wasn't a 350 bag. No, that's a, a rogue. Cause when the bag came out, there was a piece of tape. I thought like it would come out. It'd be like a gold bag, but it was no, a no. red bag with a piece of tape on it covering <laughs> yeah, up the weight. Yeah. Yeah. It was not, there was not a, there was not an intention to have a 350 pound bag. So they just, decided which i think was the right decision to make it the thing that i would have done differently is i would have wheeled it out there unlabeled and put it in front of them when the 340 bag was still sitting there and the reason i would have done that is because i think that after all the athletes finished lifting the 340 bag and they knew they'd cleared the ladder that their nervous system shut off Uh. And, and that if it hadn't if they knew there was another bag out there i'm really really confident that at least one and potentially up to three of those guys still would have done it if you wow. go back and watch Gee lift the 340 bag, it looks pretty easy. And if you watch him lift the 350 bag, he had no chance. Right. Bukowski right. was literally an inch away from getting the 350 anyway. I'm certain that he could do it. And and I think Hopper, even though it didn't necessarily look like he got that close, I think the same for him. If he had known there was another bag, I think he would have had a chance to get it. I'm not so sure about Nick Matthew, but either way, it was incredible what he was able to do in that workout. Um <laughs> So I, th- I think that was like, and it, but, but either way, it was great that they brought out uh, an extra bag and gave him a chance. And like I said, it was the most fun that I'd have ever had at a, at a competition that 20 or 30 minute time period. And the only thing that could have made it better is if one of those guys would have hit the 350 bag for the outright win. When they roll the 350 out there, does the stadium th- go fucking bonkers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, you know, this happened at the, um, this happened at the uh, third CrossFit Games, also. They had, and it happened in the clean ladder with the women. I think that they went beyond what was the the heavy bar, and they just let them keep going. This was in car. That was in Carson. No, that was in uh, 2019, I think, with Barnhart and Tia. Okay, that's probably but crying because the I one you're talking behind. about is from Aromas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was probably crying in 2019. I probably didn't watch those games. I was just in a fucking puddle of tissues. But um yeah, that they they ran and then they came in and had to do deadlifts starting at I don't know what 200 going up to 500 pounds or whatever and they never they never thought in a million years that anyone would be able to fucking run however far they ran 7 miles in the hills and come in and deadlift 500 pounds. And the fucking dude who took last place in the run, I don't remember his name. Big old fucking yoke dude. 
God, I wish I could remember his name. I made a video on him. He was cool as shit. Anyway, he he fucking did five hundred, and then and then it started happening. I think Miko people did five hundred that year in two thousand nine. Yeah, I think there was a sixteen weight tie for first. Yeah, and I remember Tony and Dave like fighting with each other. It was Mo it was Kelsey, all- Peter Edge, Jeremy Teal, Jerome Perryman, J.C. Nessa, Rob Orlando, Jordan Holland, Jordan Holland. I actually met him this week. Damn. Josh Everett, Lance Mosley, Scott Lewis, Dave Lance Mosley. That's the guy, Lance Mosley. Lance Mosley. Go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's cool. Jason Niago, DJ Wickham, Graham Holmberg, Spencer Hendel, and Jason Klepa. Wow. And, and, and uh, you didn't say Miko. He wasn't. Uh, no, this was, this was in. He was there. He, oh, you he, he won. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not Miko, correct. But, but, um, but he got it off. The, he got it off the ground and just warred, but, but didn't complete the lift. Look at, look at, uh, I got a picture of Lance. I'll never forget it. When he picked it up, the fucking place went crazy. Oh, shit. Look at this website. Look at this website. This is nuts. This is like, that's the old site, right? These sites are where you have to go to find, or it used to be where you have to go to find the results for the CrossFit games from the way back when, but now they have them on the game site. 36 years old, 5'7", 198. Oh, he's he's fifty now. Lance is fifty. He's the same age as me. Look at that. Okay, what we're we talking about? Oh, we, oh, we're talking about the games this year and the events. Um, was there an event you didn't like, Brian? There was one I did not like that I thought was just ass. <laughs> uh, so I can't remember which one it is. The, the other workout that I was a little bit skeptical or questioning of was the hat trick workout. And this was the sprint, tall wall balls, dumbbell snatch, sprint workout. Oh, yeah. That was the one Ellie Turner was just a savage on, right? Yeah. And she she won that workout because of rebounding speed out of the bottom of the wall ball. It was incredible. And it was faster than everyone else. And that was enough for her to make a difference every round. Now, Adrian was very specific in why, what he wanted in this workout. He wanted it to be where there were 20 athletes going, 20 athletes watching, and then another 20 going and another 20 watching. And you and you knew that you had to push every single element. You had to run hard. You couldn't miss a wall ball. You couldn't miss a snatch. And you had to run hard to the finish line. Yeah, and That's what he wanted, and that's how it ended up playing out. The, thing that, the reason that I'm a little bit questioning of it, I think I would have liked to have seen five rounds because I think after three rounds – you were still, and, and again, this might have been exactly what he wanted, but you were really rewarding the person who didn't make a single mistake. And one mistake, like you couldn't over, like I said, Roman missed two snatches. Not he didn't miss them. He just tapped one head and set it two to the ground. That was a the theme it, of the games, of penalizing those who make mistakes. It was. was a theme, yeah. But I think that in terms of if, if you wanted to test fitness in that workout, five rounds in the fourth and fifth round, you would have started to see some people fade off a little bit. So that was a, one of the workouts that I was, you know, questioning a little bit. Um, uh, he, he, David uh, McKellar is talking about the 2009 games. I don't remember Sam being there, but maybe he was there. If, if, if he did say that, I'm sure that it was me who interviewed him. Sam Dancer? He, this, they're talking about 2016. Uh, oh. At the ranch where they did the trail run, deadlifts, and then ranch mini chipper. Okay. I don't know. Him and, him and Brooke Wells both finished last, I oh. think, on the run and then first on the deadlift. That was the 10 year anniversary one. 
2016. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're at the ranch. Okay. Um, the workout I did not like was the Echo Press. Ah, Echo Press. So interestingly enough, and I think that Taylor and like I want to throw it away. They are speculated correctly on this one. Yeah. He had tested this in a few different iterations with varying numbers of handstand pushups or varying amounts of um, echo bike. And actually, uh, the last change that he made was to increase the calories on the echo bike to balance the workout a little bit more. And so he knew full well, same as could have been the case with the alpaca workout, is that you could could get stopped in your tracks if you're not good enough at the handstand pushup. But... As we saw, that didn't happen to very many people. There were a couple people it happened to, and a majority of the people were able to do it. But not all of them were able to do it in the same number of sets. I think it was Colton Merton's heat where he was able to do it in one set, one set, two sets. And there was a bigger guy in his heat that was able to do it in like two sets, two sets, three sets. And so he's always losing ground on the handstand pushup, but could always make it back up on the bike. And I think he might have even gotten him on the bike or even or maybe gotten really close to him on the bike at the end. And that's what Adrian wanted in that workout was that back and forth where the handstand, the echo bike could pull ahead, the handstand guy could pull ahead, the echo bike could catch back up, the handstand guy could pull ahead, and the echo bike would have a chance to catch at the end. And it played out that way in a few instances and did create the kind of race that he was looking for. My guess is that you didn't like the standard for the judging of the handstand pushups, which did produce inconsistencies. When what I would say to that is, and I didn't like the presentation. I didn't like the judging. I didn't like the presentation of it. Like I would have much rather have just seen their hands on plates, like set the, 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 the negative or what's it called? The, the, the deficit to whatever you want it to be with the plates, put a fucking uh, pillow down there and fucking let them uh, ab mat. So there's, let them get at it. So I can see what the fuck is going on. There there was this, that giant rubber thing was fucking ridiculous. And I was just imagining in my head the whole time, them cutting those in the back. And it was just, it was, he said they broke a lot of saws cutting them. Yeah. It looked, it looked absurd. Looked like something like you do with a Dremel at your house and you you regret starting the project. Athletes ask the same question. Yeah. How am I supposed to know if I'm low enough? Yeah. And what Adrian's response to them is, how do you know you're low enough in a squat? <laughs> you just feel it. You know it because you've done it a, enough times. Now, you haven't done this necessarily before, so there's not quite that parallel, but this speaks to what he said earlier. You know, I said to you about wanting to see the athletes adapt. So he wanted it. He did not want there to be a tactile response at the bottom. That was an intentional omission from the workout. I still think that there are other ways that you might have been able to design this that would have made it easier on the judges. And my overall critique of the movement standard here is if you're going to have something, and I've said this going back all the way to 2019 with the second cut workout with the double kettlebell shoulder to overhead, that if you're going to have a new movement standard or a new movement, it cannot be new for both the judges and the athletes. So you should, if you're not going to prepare the athletes ahead of time, at least prepare the judges ahead of time. And at the CrossFit Games, you should trust the judges because those are all level one seminar staff that are always trusted in the CrossFit circle. And if you're going to have that movement, you should send them out something ahead of time that's some kind of NDA accompanied with, hey, by the way, there's a few new standards that we're going to be implementing this year. Review these videos and be prepared to make these calls. In the case of the women, the problem was the hair. Some of their hair was hanging down or they had a yeah. bun on top yeah. of their head or whatever. Yeah. Adrian told the women that they needed to pull their hair tight so that that didn't happen. But, you know, hair gets out of place sometimes in a workout. The echo bike's blowing the hair around and whatever. And so it did make it challenging to judge. 
Upon video review after the fact, many people show me videos of different athletes where it appeared fairly obvious that they weren't meeting the standard and they were getting credit for the reps or that they were making the standard and weren't getting credit for the reps. And it was definitely a little bit subjective. So I would say that the overall takeaway is it's really difficult to have a brand new standard or brand new movement for both parties involved, the athletes and the Hey, judges. you could put your hand down there and have the fucking them touch your hand. Did you miss the part where I said he did not want there to be a tactile response? I, 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 I you don't I, like I, it. It's just, did he say why he didn't want there to be a tactile response? Because he wanted them to feel it and to know, yes, this was enough. Ask me again, how do you know when you're at the bottom of a squat? How do you know? You have to ask me again the whole thing. <laughs> how do you know when you're at the bottom of a squat, Savan? When the helmet of the penis hits the cervix. <laughs> You're, are, you, are you happy with that response? Yeah. I'm fucking, it's crazy. A tactile, no tactile response. That same it was a, thing happens it was a fucking to me when horrible, I did handstand pushups. So did you hate, I hated the workout period. It did not, right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I, don't, I, I don't like the workout. I didn't like the way it was presented. I didn't like, maybe it was the layout, but those, I just didn't, I, I could, I I'll could tell you who away. did impress me in that workout was Jason Hopper and Roman Krennicock. Because those are two of the heaviest guys in the field, and they figured out a way to make that work. The, other, the thing I will say, one of the things that Adrian was looking for in that workout is that you could not get away with the arching position that we see in the handstand push-up occasionally. And he really wanted the athletes to be forced into having to stack appropriately for a handstand push-up and to expose you if you weren't able to do that. And I think the athletes were able stack to Stack appropriately? Is that like, that, yeah. you mean the muscle? So, okay. Yeah, to not have a big arch in your back when you're coming out of a handstand push-up, you know, some people have that big arch and then push their head through to the finishing position. Yeah. And he wanted you to have to be in that rib cage closed and good overhead position. That's taught at every level one that's ever existed. But the athletes were able to skirt it a little bit and you could still arch your back and kind of worm your way up the wall a little bit more than I think was the intent. Brian's voice is soothing and calm. The bam seven, you could put your fucking hand on there. Thank you. I don't know what that means, but I just like it. You can put your hand on there. So it's all, I always like a, a hand on there. Um, if you think maybe your testosterone levels are low, you should go to CaliforniaHormones.com. It's CAHormones.com. You should use the password Sevon. CAHormones.com. You should use the password Sevon. And uh, you'll get a free doctor's consultation. If you live in California, you'll get free blood work. If you're not in California, have your insurance pay for it. I cannot believe how many people are sending me DMs telling me how stoked they are that they're doing this. It's crazy how many people are telling me that it's, it's good for their head. If you want coffee, you should go to Paper Street Coffee. It's Paper ST Coffee. Fuck, why are these guys' web addresses all fucked up? It's CA Hormones. That's with an H, not with a W, by the way. It's Paper Street Coffee, Paper ST Coffee. You use the password Sevon, you get 10% off. There's probably some other people who've been taking such good care of us. If you want a shirt, a bee-friendly shirt, go to Sherpa Sherpa Sherpa. <laughs> if you want, if you want uh, some 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 sub on podcast gear, go to Life Is RX or to Vindicate. I like Life Is RX's stuff, by the way. Yeah, me too. I, I like it too. I like their shirts are a little thicker, and so they they hang off my shoulders a little more nicely. Uh, Matt Reynolds, what about squatting to a wall ball for people who are new to the Matt, Matt, 
this is the CrossFit Games. What are you talking about? This isn't a, a show about the L1. Yes, fine. Squat to whatever you want if you're new. Just make sure it's, it's, it doesn't hurt you. Darren Coughlin. Oh, he, Darren has a uh, uh, a professional uh, coaching uh, daily uh, uh, website uh, and newsletter that you can subscribe to. It's called masterofcoaching.online. Always a great contributor to the show. Always sends me very thoughtful texts. Please check it out, masterofcoaching.online. Another fucked up fucking – why can't it be masterofcoaching.com, masterofcoaching.online? I thought it had to be three letters. Darren Coughlin, the capacity to judge needs to be tested before the athlete's capacity is tested. I think this is most more or less what I was saying. You can't it's have blind uh, judges. Lots of variations of standards throughout the games. No, I think I think that in general, this is a, a theme throughout the season. Is that there are opportunities, there were opportunities for the CrossFit Games team to communicate things either to judges or to athletes in a way that would have set them up more for success. I totally understand Adrian's perspective of wanting the athletes to have to adapt and that's appropriate, but I also want to see them put into settings where they have the capacity to show their capacity of, or their fitness. And when you put them into an environment where the standards are new and unclear for everyone involved, fan, judge, athlete, etc., then that can often be, I don't like the word, but it can be, you know, you can detract from, the main emphasis, which should be the athlete's ability to either do it or not. I think you handled that was a great word. You're not going to get canceled. Uh, Brian, uh, this isn't a programming show, Jeremy, but great question. What about no burpees? I, so I thought that when they took out the rope climbs that they were going to put in a burpee. Like I just thought it was like, okay, we got to put in something in there to, so that it's not just a straight up power output test. And I thought that they might put the burpee in. But overall, I think that the, the takeaway from this is you don't have to have burpees uh, in the test. You don't have to have any individual thing in the test. And I think that it would actually be good for things like um, swimming to show up twice one year and no times the year after that and to make elements of that a little bit less predictable. So uh, no burpees this year, no problem for me. What about the um, the length of the games? In terms of? I um, actually liked I the fact that there wasn't a day off. I think that it should be five days. I think some of the days could have more volume than than others, and that's totally appropriate. But the way that it played out with the three workouts, one, two workouts, and then et cetera, the rest of the week, I actually really like that. I think five days is great. I think there should be workouts every day for the individuals, and obviously the intensity, duration, and, and difficulty of those can vary day to day. But I think it's it's I think it's appropriate. I think it's cool too. I I, I like the length of them. I think it I think it was really cool that there was a rest day that they got to utilize to make up for, I also there, think was, the cuts were good this year. Yeah. Um yeah. I think this is the format that it I, I hope that they stick with this format. I think that it's very fair for the athletes that even in the bottom ten they got a full test. I mean ten, eleven scores already by the time Saturday night hit. They got to go heavy, they got to go long, they got to do the skills, they got to try it all. And uh and there is like the bottom 10 athletes to me are, you know, have always been at the games, you know, less capable than the, than the top, than the next 10, the next 10, the next 10, every heat's always getting a little bit better. And I think that it's okay to cut 10 going into the last day. So I was, I was a fan of this, the way that it planned out in terms of the cuts this year as well. Any, any updates on uh, miss Emily Rolf? Uh, she, oh my God, dude. I saw her. Uh, 
I guess it was the day she got out of surgery, which is a couple of days after I'm trying to remember what day it was that happened. Um, and, uh, man, I just felt ter- terrible for it. Not only was, is that obviously like a super unfortunate thing and a pretty brutal, you know, surgery procedure to have to go through, but she's, she thinks she would have done really well on a lot of these workouts. I and, think she uh, would have too. And she would have been think- a, you know, a good addition to the women's field, uh, in that maybe like 15 to, I think 15 to 25 was in a, 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 about where she would have finished, but maybe a little bit towards the top end of that. Uh, 15th was Jacqueline Dahlstrom. 14th was Amanda Barnhart. 16th was Lucy Campbell. Yep. Emma McQuaid up there. We don't have, we did, we didn't have a Fakowski here. Um, uh, Danny Spiegel, uh, completely fucking handles her business on that bag workout. Um, do you think she comes back next year? I mean, her. This, I mean, look, we we talked about her before the games, and I said, man, like she needs to prove to me that she can survive a full CrossFit Games. This was a tough test. It was a full test. It was five days. There were a lot of different things. She had to run far. She had to run fast. She had to lift heavy. She had a lot of gymnastics. She did it all. She finished in the top half of the field. Um, and even if the Lagos rope climbs were in there, if you look at the points margin, it's over 100 points down to 20th. So she would have finished in the top 20 either way, uh, which is a great credit to her i think this is the best performance that she's had yet in her career even though some other performances other competitions were higher it was not as difficult of a test it was not as difficult of a field so to me this is the best danny spiegel we've ever seen and hopefully she comes back next year yeah if i told you that the that the greatest improvement of any of the top 10 athletes you're looking at which are uh, Tia Toomey, Mal O'Brien, Laura Horvath, Daniel Brandon, Brooke Wells, Emma Lawson, Cara Saunders, Gabriella Magawa, Haley Adams, Alexis Raptus. In that order, if I told you that there was an athlete in here that was going to improve twice as much as her next closest competitor and be on the podium next year, who would you think it is? Uh, either Emma or Alexis. Wow, wow. Okay, so before we go to the great Emma Lawson, who I I I think uh, I, I think we might be seeing something absolutely insane here, but um, why Alexis Raptus? You're high on her. Well, the way that you asked the question is a little bit, you know, theoretical. How, Those how old two, is she? How old is she? Twenty three, I think. Twenty three. Okay. Um, those are the two rookies that made the top ten for the women this year. Uh. You know, Alexis has some some great skills that we were able to see. Um, the re- the reason why I say that is okay. So you added in to make the podium. I think Emma Lawson is a bigger podium threat than Alexis <clears throat> is. But apart from that, to to improve to get twice as good or something like Emma's already, I would say is a is a level a- a- ahead here. So I think there's more room for improvement for Alexis. Um, but I think that both are likely to be top 10, you know, contenders and pushing even higher up that throughout the next. I mean, it's always hard to say how long they're going to compete for, but I think they're both in a really good spot. What was what what did you find most impressive of, of Emma Lawson? If you were going to sell her to a sponsor, what would you tell? What would you tell them? Uh, maturity and composure at that age. It's unteachable. I think Mal has it too. discipline, uh, grit, hard work, the ability to push through pain, the intangible stuff like all these people are very talented, but it speaks to what Rob Forte talked about. Jay Crouch can have all the skills, be strong enough, be good enough. But if you don't have the discipline to recover event from event, the discipline to know when to 
when to push and the willingness to go to the dark spot when you need to workout after workout, then you're only going to be so good at the games. These two girls from everything I saw, cause it's not, you know, again, when you're there and you're close enough, you can see their face. You can see their breathing. You can see the way that they're navigating the workout apart from what the rep counters are showing on the TV. And it's different and it's unique. And it's, and that the thing I said about Emma before this was I need to see her compete on the field with the best women in the sport. And this week we got to see that basically every single workout. Cause she was in the top 10 from the beginning. And uh, yeah, she had some, some, lower finishes towards the end of the week. But like I said, those are mostly based on strength that I think she'll get better on. And uh, it's the, the things that these two girls are doing is only possible because of the intangible stuff that you can't measure. When, when um, she, she got 21st in the, in the, in the strong, in the, in the, in the test of strength workout, the back nine, can I call it that the test of strength workout? I love that workout. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I liked it too. And and I thought the athletes did great at it. The, the weights that uh, Adrian chose and, and the movements, it was, it was awesome. There were people just cruising through it and we got to see that. Um, Emma Lawson, 17 takes 21st. Haley Adams, still super duper young, takes 26. Neither of them finished the workout. Danielle Brandon, 25th, did not finish the workout. Alexis Rapjith, 20th, did not finish the workout. So four of the four of the top 10 didn't finish that workout. And the only reason if someone took if we had never seen Haley Adams before and she showed up to the CrossFit Games this year and took and took ninth, right? And we knew she was 21, we would still believe like, holy shit, she can get stronger and win the CrossFit Games. But because we've seen her so for so long and the strength workouts are always the holes, we're starting to lose faith. I'm not losing faith in that Okay. here. And, and part of this is just based on my own experience. I'm not very strong. And for basically from 2016 to 2020, I wasn't getting any stronger. And then in the last two years, I've been able to get stronger. And so, and, and I'm a lot older than her. Um, I know people at my gym that are 45 and 50 years old who are still PRing some of their strength numbers. So sometimes, and especially in the realm of strength, I think there can be long plateaus before a breakthrough. The thing is that not everyone's always going to stick to it. She's right. He just, this person is right. Haley does have great discipline. The other thing is that I don't know what Haley's training is like and how much of her training she's really committing to strength. And that doesn't just mean how many times she's going in the gym and squatting. It means what she's doing surrounding that. Um, and how much of a focus she's putting on it. And maybe maybe it's enough, and maybe she'll just have that breakthrough another year, two, three years from now. Uh, but maybe also sh- at some point she'll just be like, okay, this isn't working, and she has to make that decision. It's it's kind of like a, if you've ever known anyone who's had an addiction, and I can talk about this because I have had an addiction, is that it didn't matter how much you loved me or cared about me or told me until I was ready to admit it and work on it. Nothing was going to change. And I, and it's, and maybe it's the same thing with fitness. She's so good at so many things and she can go in the gym and do those things and feel great about how good she is. She is going to have to want to, and really want to say, no, I'm going to change the way that I approach the next six months, the next nine months or the next year, maybe two years. If I want to make the nest, it's not just a 1% 
improvement. If I want, if I want to make the podium, if I want to win the CrossFit Games, and I'm Haley Adams, I think she has to make a two-year minimum dedicated commitment to getting stronger, even if her performances regress over those two years at the games. Someone, someone posted uh, Emma's still in public school. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if she still goes to school. Okay, so so you haven't lost faith. I like that. No. Okay. Uh, how, when can we expect a new power rankings from you? Like uh, all time? Uh, that and all time. Or going but, into the off season. But both. I was thinking going into the off season. Like this is definitely things have changed, right? We, we looked at one about 30 days before the games. Then we did a games prediction show. And I think it's time to reevaluate. Yeah. I mean, that's super fun because you could still include people like Jamie Simmons or Sarah Sigma's daughter, Catherine Davis daughter, Annie Thor's daughter, if she decides to go individual um, that didn't make it to the games. You could include someone like Jake Berman who missed the last chance qualifier by one spot, who missed the Mac by one spot, and all five guys who beat him at the Mac finished inside the top 20 at the games. So it's you know it's one of those things like how well would he could he have done there if he'd been uh, given the opportunity to get in. So, yeah, that's definitely a good idea. What do you, what do you think? Uh, uh, will we have it in um, sep- sometime in September? <laughs> yeah, we'll do it sometime. I mean, maybe before then. I don't know. Mihail Padrini-Poletti. I think the offseason is too short to get strong in the levels she needs. Is That's she- what I'm saying. She has to abandon her finishes or rankings for a two-year period of time and commit to the strength. She's still got such a huge amount of capacity. Obviously, she's still going to do some other stuff besides just lifting. But she has to make that a priority for a, an extended period of time, accept the fact Strength increases so minimal for Natalie Ferguson. That's this is a brutal comment, Trent for by well, Trent Merrill. This, you know, here's the thing: is I don't know how much Trent Merrill knows about what how right. true this is. How right. what does it mean that she's focused exclusively on this and this is all she's worked on? She could say that. She could say, I've, "Oh, it feels like all I ever do is squat. My legs are always sore." But I still think that there's a difference between really committing to that and doing it a lot. Uh, anything, anything else, uh, Brian, we didn't talk about teams. Uh, that could be a whole nother show. Uh, I haven't, any- I haven't delved into the team a lot, but the one thing that I'll say about the team programming this year, there was very, very little worm work, almost none. And similarly, there was no heavy or even really moderately heavy barbell work for the individuals, but I would not assume that that's not going to be the case next year. Uh, and, and, and Mayhem ended up handling their business, uh, and Reykjavik didn't do so bad themselves with a fourth. Correct. Uh, any word on what Annie's doing next year? No, I, honestly, I haven't really pursued any of those things. I, have, you know, I haven't tried to find out what's going on with Haley or Tudor or, or Annie or anyone else. Haley isn't on the juice. Um... Okay. Uh, anything else before we wrap this sucker up? You tell me. I think we're good. Okay. Uh, I, I think we've stimulated a lot of talk. I think we can circle back and talk about some of these guys more in, in depth. I think we need to have some of these guys on. I'd really like to know how uh, the games affected some of these guys. I'd like to, it'd be really fun to, what do you think about walking through the events with Ricky? I think people would love it. I think he might enjoy it. Yeah. 
just pull them up one at a time and let them just t- t- tell us like shit that happened back there. Shit that Benny said to him, people like shit that him and Velner talked about. Just It'd be nice I, to do that with Velner too, actually. I'll say, so I'll, I will say a couple of things. I was okay. incredibly impressed with Roman, Sam Quant, Jeff Adler, and Jason Hopper. I already talked about Lazar Jukic. These guys were super impressive to me and we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about them. Um, it was awesome to have Kara Saunders yeah. back at the games, finishing seventh, which is it was great. She seemed to be having a ton of fun. It was cool to see her with her kid and her husband. Uh, I was really impressed with um, with Danielle. I was really impressed with Emma Lawson, Alexis Raptis, Ariel Lowen. And I was impressed with a lot of the European rookies on the women's side, even though they didn't necessarily do as well. Uh, Lucy Campbell, Matilda Garns, probably not a lot of people. Lucy you saw a couple of times because she got a couple event wins, but one of them was the last event that she won in from a – the third heat or the second heat and Matilda Garns, who you probably didn't see very much of at all had a pretty respectable 19th place finish as a, as a rookie at the games. Um, I thought Paige Semenza was, was uh, good. There were a lot of people that were, you know, telling me she was going to, she was going to do pretty well. She finished 21st. It was great to have her back and it was her best ever finish there. And I was really impressed with the, uh, the women from Asia. Sung Young Choi looks like she belongs at the games. I mean, she For sure. improved from last year, 26th place. And Sahar Kaya made the top 30. So both of the women out of Asia qualified and made inside the cut line. I thought that was a huge win for them. Um, so those are just some of the things we didn't get to that I thought were worth mentioning. I know this is kind of a cheeky comment and maybe doesn't deserve uh, your time. But <laughs> Brian, uh-huh. not impressed with Ricky Garrard. Incredibly impressed with Ricky. I apologize if I didn't mention him in that list. Um, I I didn't really know how good Ricky could do. I did have him slightly outside the top 10. John had him inside the top 10. But neither of us, I don't think either of us were expecting him to be clearly, I mean, those three guys were clearly ahead of the rest of the field from beginning to end of the weekend. I know he slipped a little bit relative to the other two in the end. But those, but like the fact that Roman was in the top three after the first half of the workouts when not when all of the gymnastics movements were, and skill tests were being exposed, I mean, this guy, he is. Um, I, I I can't really say enough good things about him, and uh, and yes, I, I I could say the same about Ricky. So I apologize for omitting him in that list. Uh, does Justin Medeiros win the games again next year? So I will I will. I will stick to what I've been saying, which is I will pick him to win every competition he enters until he loses. But I will not be surprised at all if Roman wins the games next year. Impossible. What? Thank you guys for checking in. Um, uh, and uh, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, I have the UFC show with Justin Nunley, TikTok comedian, superstar, and Darren Weeks, UFC welterweight. And I think the following day I have Ariel Lowen and then the following day, there's just, just, it's just pouring in, just pouring in. Okay. Brian, thank you. You were amazing. Thanks. Peace and love everyone.